Welcome to episode two. I'm Glenn Ten Doe. If you're new here, welcome. If you're returning, thanks for coming back. We're going to cover a lot of different things this episode. We get our first ever listener submitted question. We talk about what we're playing, but our big topics for today, Famitsu and the Sakurai column from this past week, talking about Smash, Netcode, very interesting stuff, especially if you're in the competitive Smash community. But then our bigger topic is we cover the Mario 35th anniversary collection. Now, the funny thing is that we recorded the episode hours before Nintendo dropped the Direct. So we have an interesting dynamic with this episode because we get we actually recorded our thoughts on what might happen based off of rumors. And then a few hours later, they actually dropped the direct. So we actually recorded again afterward. And I think when you hear what we said and some of the things that we talked about before we knew what was happening, and then you see the the after, it's really, really cool. So so yeah, you're gonna hear a full episode and then you know you'll hear the 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 theme song come in and that'll let you know that it's about to transition to the next half, the next section of the episode. So again, we're aiming to make these things about an hour and a half, but you know, this was an act of God. Okay? Mario is God and he acted on us, bro. So we just had to record a little bit more. And so at this point, just enjoy it. All right. Stop complaining about it. Like, I don't get it. I can feel you in my DMs right now. And I'm getting kind of tight. One thing I did today, which is kind of regrettable, but it's also hilarious, mm-hmm. was uh, I went on Quick Play and I picked Bowser and I just was winning dudding everybody. <laughs> win or lose yeah yeah win or lose but i would just, just like, like i would just like troll really hard like just go for random s matches and just like teabag that's hilarious that's the first time i've ever done this but i'm like you know what i want to like ruin somebody's day <laughs> and you you think that that's funny that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're the guy that everyone's complaining about on quick play right now yeah you were like i'm gonna make my contribution to this yep this cesspool um so, uh, we're here, we're back. Hello, everybody. And guys, we have a special announcement. We are here celebrating the one week anniversary of the Glintendo podcast. People didn't think we'd make it this far, but we did. <laughs> not me. Did not think you, it. Same, same. So, how do you feel? How does it feel knowing that we're already at our first anniversary? One week, baby. I'm kind of disappointed you keep going this far. Don't you know I want to give up? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> this should have ended a long time ago. Yeah. You should have never been born. Yeah. Call back. Go. Call back to episode one. Yeah, call back because uh, it was so long ago. It's the anniversary. And, and all right, so to commemorate the one week anniversary, we, we made it to the big one, all right? To commemorate the one week anniversary, uh, we actually have our first ever listener question so for those of you guys who support the show if you want to be a friendo at any level you can contribute to the show it doesn't have to always be questions it can be you know thoughts jokes musings any kind of 
degeneracy that you want to contribute to this show is more than welcome. Um, so this is our first ever question. And it's what is the biggest gaming related disagreement that you and our hungry have ever had? And dude, I have to, I'm thinking about this a lot all day. Yeah. And I really can't think of one because like, I think we have pretty different tastes when it comes to games, yeah. but our tastes are also very similar at the same time. Like if, if I made a top five list, right, Yeah. of my favorite games ever, and then you made your top five list. We've already already had that discussion just for fun before. Yeah. Uh, I already know, kind of have an idea of what's on your list, and obviously I know what my list is. And are you sure? It's, it, dude, I got it. All right, I got it ready. Questionable. But here's the thing. The thing is, our lists aren't the same but they're similar. So it's like, you're going to see a Zelda game either at number one or number two. It might not be the same Zelda game, but it's it's there. Yeah, and there's going to be a, a Zelda Metroid game. game. There's going to be a Zelda game. There's going to be a Metroid game. There's going to be a Mario yes. game. Dark Souls yes. will be there. Yes. I mean, Dark Souls wouldn't be on my top five. But top 10. But it, it would be top 10. That game is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, going back to the question, it's like, I don't really know... I'm trying to think if we've well, ever had a big disagreement on a game. Well, I know the one that I think of is um, uh, MGR. Oh, we were, that's like, super a perf- split on that. We're actually super yeah. split on that one. Okay, so for people who don't know, we're talking about Metal Gear Rising and Revengeance, uh, Revengeance which is a PS3, Xbox 360 era game. And I. All right, I'm going to try to give a quick rundown of why we have a disagreement on this. Because we, I think the reason why we have a disagreement on this game is because we're coming at that game from two completely separate points of view. So I'm a huge Metal Gear Solid fan. That series is like top five for me. And at least two or three of those games in that series are in my top 10. Like I love Metal Gear, right? So I played every game in the series and... Of course, I played Metal Gear Solid 4, and they introduced Raiden as, like, he's the new Gray Fox, and he's a ninja with a sword now. He's a cybernetic ninja. And I'm a huge Kojima fan after playing all those games, and they announced at some point uh, Metal Gear Rising, which is, like, the first spinoff game of the Metal Gear series, right? So they show this game, and it's being done internally at with Kojima Studios, and the game looks incredible. It looks like a game they made in the Metal Gear Solid 4 engine, which at the time was like probably the prettiest game of its of its time when it came out, or at least among the top. And the big thing about this game is that you can cut everything. So they show you this teaser trailer, and Raiden is cutting every enemy in any angle that you want. And like part of the gameplay is that you're supposed to be like, you know, grabbing things out of these enemies that you can use as power-ups or whatever. But then they take it even further and they're like, you can cut anything, including the environments, including, you know, they show him cutting down columns and breaking balconies down over enemies and cutting a car and a watermelon and like all these things, like (laughs) everything is cuttable, right? So that game famously like disappears for maybe a year or two and then it reemerges as a platinum games developed game and the story was that 
Kojima was super disappointed with his team because he was trying to not direct that game and he was trying to give like leave room for someone to take a leadership position and you know really um, move that concept further without him. And they got stuck in the design process and they were saying how they just really wanted to commit to you can cut everything in the game and they couldn't figure out how to like gate the player and give them boundaries so that you can create a functional structure of a game while also letting them cut everything. So eventually, he Kojima describes it in, in a very public and kind of, if we're being honest, it's, it's kind of a jerk move because he kind of just publicly like eviscerated his team yeah it was not he was not nice about it he, he was like yeah this is this is bad like they just yeah super disappointed like, me and even when they announced it he made sure that like he wasn't at the forefront of every video it was kind of like how if you watch like a, a zelda uh or a mario game now the like you'll see Aonoma or um for Mario, you'll see Koizumi. They'll kind of be the face of it. It's not just Miyamoto anymore. You know, he's kind of passed the torch to to those guys. So he very publicly had his team it like out, and um, the game ended up getting reset and sent to platinum to finish because he was disappointed in his team and they were going nowhere with it and they were spending all this money. And so it became a platinum game, and they changed a lot about it. And in interviews, the funniest – we were talking about this like maybe two months ago, right? Yeah. About about this, like I was basically explaining how one of the funniest things I, I saw when this game was announced, re-announced as a platinum game, was that they asked them like, so you guys said that the biggest hurdle they had previously was they you couldn't cut everything or they couldn't figure out how to make you cut everything and still, you know – gate the player and give them some kind of structure. So how did you fix that problem? But someone at that team, they they were just like, it was it was simple. What you do is you just make it so you can't cut everything and that's it. <laughs> and so the game became a, a completely different game. The reason why we have a disagreement on this game is because when I saw the platinum version of this game, after seeing and being such a big fan of like Metal Gear and the engine of uh, Metal Gear Solid 4 and the way that that looked, and and just being a fan of like Kojima Productions and Kojima Games are really underrated for how amazing and their gameplay and their game feel and controls are. Like people, all they talk about is like, oh, Metal Gear, the cinematics and stuff. But those games play so so well, and so um, when it came out as a platinum game, it looked completely different. Like it has a completely different aesthetic to me at least, it, you can tell it's in a different engine. Like they really had to start from scratch with that game. And then I played the demo and I just really wasn't into that game. The demo felt, it just didn't control the way that I think the original video showed it would. And uh, I just really didn't like it. I think the camera like it's literally just has a mind of its own when I played the demo. <laughs> um, I, I did not, the demo is the reason I didn't like the game. So at the very least, I could say I tried it. You know what I mean? Like I didn't just to cast it off. I wanted it to be good, but yeah, I just couldn't get into it, man. But you you came at it from a completely different angle. Of you're a fan of platinum games, yeah. So uh, and you love that, yeah. So, so I, I like platinum games, and I had never played a Metal Gear Solid game at that point. And I'm like, yeah. this is a great game. <laughs> I thought it was just a good, well, great's a strong word. I, I'd say it's a very good game, right? 
it definitely yeah. has clear flaws. I, I think anybody could agree that it has clear flaws. But what I, I so also people would agree with is that it has some of the best boss battles that you could possibly get in uh, those kind of action games. Like, not, not just like um, uh, cinematics-wise, but they're also just really fun to play against. Uh, right. I do think the combat system is not as deep as something like the Wonderful 101 or Bayonetta or anything like that, or even Dell May Cry, but it's definitely had a lot of potential. So a lot of people are like looking forward to the sequel to that game because that's kind of like the where it left off, where it's like, oh, it did good, you know, like it it did. Yeah. Good. So it was kind of a it was kind of a hit. It wasn't like huge, but it was like no, yeah, it was successful. Yeah. So people were excited for it, and then it never came out. <laughs> yeah for yeah and see that's at the core of where our disagreement is because you're coming at that uh, at Re- metal gear solid revengeance you're coming at it from the fan of platinum and action games and for me that's exactly why i didn't like it because the it wasn't positioned to be an action game from what i saw and that's not the legacy of what kojima productions does so it's almost like it turned into a complete different genre it's like if if you were going to go to the movies and the commercial made you think that it was a comedy, but then when you walked in, it was a completely different genre. It was like an action game, an action movie. Yeah. And you're like, this nece- isn't necessarily bad, but this is definitely not what I paid for or what I was in the mood for right now. The other disagreement, the only disagreement I can think of, and it's not even really like a disagreement, is that... Uh, you really, really, really like Fire Emblem, and I still don't. <laughs> and, and I could see myself liking that series, right? Like on paper, everything about Fire Emblem on paper yeah. is something that would be something I would like. Hey, it's a first party, you know, Nintendo franchise at this point. It's a st- strategy game. I love strategy games. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm very familiar with that universe and characters and I like the music and some of the characters I really don't like, but there are some that I do. So eventually I know I'll play the right one. But for people who don't know, my history with Fire Emblem is that the first one I ever tried was um, actually one of the GameCube ones that I think was like Radiant Dawn, maybe. If it's GameCube, it's Path of Radiance. And if it's Wii, it's Radiant Dawn. Yeah, so it was Path of Radiance, and I remember, you know, Ike is on the cover, and I remember seeing him in Brawl afterwards, and I only played it for like five or ten minutes. The only reason I didn't like that game is because I played it for like ten minutes, and I remember just thinking, this isn't, at that point in my life, I really didn't want to play anything slow, so I just, it wasn't the game's fault, it was just, I wasn't in the mood, and then I never tried it again. And then fast forward to like the 3DS, I tried Sacred Stones. And I remember just being overwhelmed with how many numbers and graphs there were that I didn't, that they don't explain to you. So they like throw you into the game and you're, and you're playing. And I'm like, this seems like a game that's designed for people who already know what Fire Emblem is and how things work. And I did not understand it. And then I gave one, the third strike on Fire Emblem for me was I played the demo of Awakening for the 3DS and everyone was talking about how this game was a revolution for the series and it was like a reboot. So it was kind of like, this is a great starting point and this is like a new direction for the series. So I thought, oh, this is a perfect time to jump in. And I really liked that demo. 
I remember playing the demo. I think it was really cool and seeing the trailer with like Lucina. She's wearing a mask still and you're not sure who she is. And the trailers were beautiful. It was really cool. And then I was like, I'm going to buy this game. And had I bought the game, my life might be very different right now in terms of Fire Emblem. <laughs> but instead, it was around the time of it was around the time of uh, when Fates was about to come out. It was maybe like weeks away. So um, I think some of the reviews were just coming out or there were previews saying the game was amazing. And I was like, you know what? I'll just buy the new one. And so I bought Fates and um, I bought like the beginner because I know that game had two um, versions, right? It was Conquest and it was, what was the other one? Birthright. So I bought Birthright and I got kind of maybe like a couple hours into it and it just, there was too much, um, it just wasn't for me. Like there was, the thing that really turned me off was that game is so like titillating literally that it was distracting. And I, I've never thought I would ever complain about that in my life about a game, especially not a Nintendo game, but it was almost like too much. Like some of the waifu culture stuff in it just wasn't for me personally. Well, and I was lacking like, specifically got a lot of backlash for that. Yeah. You ended up telling me that I made a big mistake by trying that one. Yeah. Birthright. Awakening. Birthright yeah. specifically. Cause people like conquest. Well, there's like a, a a big it's like a kind of split in the kind of like the Fire Emblem fan base about Conquest. Like some people think it's like one of the best games in the series, and some people just hate it because it's just associated with the rest of the Fates lineage, right? Right. But Birthright is pretty much considered like one of the worst games in the series. Why? But why is that? Because people say that, but. I'm never satisfied just hearing that something is bad or good. Yeah. I want to know. I'll get into it. Like, quit if you could, without going into like a super, you know, two hour Fire Emblem thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll try to keep it brief. I'll try to keep it brief. So there's kind of like two camps of Fire Emblem, right? There's the people who like really like the gameplay of it. So like the Awakening stuff was like really simplified, right? But the mm-hmm. characters were all really good and the story was a little better than it usually is, right? Not to say the story is like, ever that amazing but the characters were like were always yeah. a selling point for fire emblem right mm-hmm. and you could tell that they wanted to do that again right with birthright it's, it's basically an awakening clone a little bit right yeah but they kind of just made the story like unbearable right like it's just it's so stupid and so unbelievable like you know <laughs> what i mean like when, when when something is so bad that you can't even pretend to care that you're yeah, like, you know, that's bad. Yeah, so it's like, that's how bad the story is in that game. And the uh, Corrin is like, inarguably, like one of like the, the least likable uh, main characters. Just because she's like a Mary Sue, you know, like she does, she's perfect and everybody loves her, and but she doesn't have a personality. So like the people who like the story stuff are like, all right, this sucks, right? Right. And the people who like the gameplay stuff are like, all right, this isn't, this isn't like the classic Fire Emblem stuff, so this sucks too, right? Gotcha. That's why Conquest kind of has a different because Conquest is like very like uh, what I like about that game a lot is that it's very uh, strategic in like the maps. So the maps like all have like this weird like like uh, Awakening had a really big problem was like the the objective was always kill the enemy, right? Like that was the objective throughout the entire game. And Mm -hmm. in other Fire Emblem games uh, throughout the chapters, they would mix up the objectives just to give you different strategies, right? Yeah. So 
that's why there's a divide between like awakening fans and like classic fans, right? So Birthright kind of rubbed both uh both sides the wrong way, you know? It's like gotcha. So right. that's why it's like the worst game to try out, you know? But here's a question I have about Fire Emblem. So I've been seeing a lot of people talk about Fire Emblem on Twitter because we have so many mutual friends who are freaks, Fire Emblem freaks, like fanatics, yeah. beyond beyond freak, okay? Some people, Fire Emblem is their in their life, okay? Which is amazing that the franchise went from almost dying before Awakening to this is people's lives. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I noticed was, because like you mentioned People seem to not like Corin as a character. Yeah. And it's actually the same. I've seen a lot of the same energy towards Byleth. And one of the things I noticed was that I think after Awakening or maybe with Awakening, it seems like the protagonist, they took almost like a Zelda approach where the protagonist is purposely not very defined so that you can project yourself onto the character. And yeah. I think, I don't know if that... Am I right in saying that that started with Awakening or in with Birthright or like that's the new era of Fire Emblem or it, was that always a thing? Well, I don't think any of the main characters like outside of maybe like Krom, right, were ever super like um, I'm trying to figure the right word, but they weren't ever defined. They, they, were, they were defined, but they weren't like deep. Uh, yeah, they weren't that deep. You know, like they, right, like uh. For example, like uh, Roy's a good example, right? Where like he's like a, a strong kind of like determined character, but that's like par for the course for like every like Japanese like story kind of game. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah, like, he wasn't so very he's more unique, of a cliche. You know? Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, like where Fire Emblem got his strength from were like the supports, right? So a character's like ironically like Roy's dad, Elliwood, like he seemed very plain on the surface. But, like, when you find all his backstory stuff, it's, like, he's more complex than that, right? Mm -hmm. So. So, it was always a little bit like that. It, it wasn't the, the main, because I remember someone telling me that they, their perception was that Ike was this very defined, unique character. And they felt that Path of Radiance and uh, Radiant Dawn were, like, the, you know, those characters, he, him in that, in that game, it motivated you to keep playing because you were, you were, your main character was such an interesting character. He definitely is an exception. He's definitely one of the more defined I main Gotcha. But like, okay. like Marth, it's like he's not very interesting per se, you know? Yeah. Especially because in his games, he doesn't have supports. So it's like he doesn't really get that much development time. Yeah. And see, that's an interesting thing because uh, like one of the reasons that stuff is on my mind so much is because... Um, I just finished Final Fantasy VII Remake, right? And I've been thinking a lot about how, you know, I play Cloud and Smash, and I used to play Link, and I just played Breath of the Wild again, and I, I played Final Fantasy VII Remake. And in Final Fantasy VII Remake, Cloud is way more defined as a character than he was in the original game. Yeah. And it's funny how a lot of uh, the old 90s conversations when I was a baby of like Link versus Cloud because Ocarina of Time came out around the same time as Final Fantasy VII and it's two blonde swordsmen. You know what I mean? A lot of people made this like war between these two characters. And one of the things people always said back then and especially now after the remake is how um, Cloud is very, he's a defined character and he has a lot, he has depth and a lot of story to him. 
And Link is not, you know, Link is a boring character yeah. by some people's description. Which I don't even agree with, even for Breath of the Wild or Wind Waker, you know? Right. And so the the funny thing is that it seems going into the Fire Emblem conversation and just in general, those two different approaches to game design are interesting because I would agree with them that Cloud has a lot more story and, and things going on. Like he's much more of a defined character. Yeah. Like he has his own thoughts and feelings about a lot more things. It's it's not so um, gray area for everything, right? But I would say that my experience playing as Link is more unique and interesting to me because like if I just talk about Breath of the Wild Link, Breath of the Wild Link, he, he is me. So it's yeah. like, it's like there's this weird thing that happens when you have a really defined protagonist that talks for themselves and thinks for themselves that I'm not saying it's a bad approach to have, but it ends up creating this weird thing where you're, it's like if you're watching a movie of a person watching a movie, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Where it creates this like third tier, like it removes you one more time from the character as opposed to, it's very strange. It's like a fourth wall thing where, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII Remake and Cloud is his own person. I don't even feel like I'm him at all. Like I don't, I wouldn't react the way he reacts in situations. I wouldn't say those things. He's not, I can't project myself onto him because he's so defined, right? Yeah. That's not necessarily bad, but the difference is that when you play Zelda and you're playing as Link, or in this case, maybe with Fire Emblem, you really feel like you experience something a little more directly because you're projecting yourself and your decisions. And a lot of times those things are married and perfectly mirror how you feel. Yeah. Like how, what Link did in every scenario of Breath of the Wild for my my playthrough of the game was exactly what I wanted him to do. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't this like thing of I'm controlling this character and then he gets to say and do these things that I wouldn't do or say <laughs> and then I pretend to be him again. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, the thing that's kind of different about that is you can create their character, you can rename them, blah, 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 right? But they still have like a backstory they still have like their own dialogue, you know, like mm-hmm. they're definitely, they're, they're definitely defined in that sense. Right. But they're still not like, they're still kind of like not super expressive in that way. Yeah. You kind of right. get what I'm saying? A hundred percent. And I've actually seen a, I think I've seen more three houses gameplay than I have for any other fire emblem. I haven't played the game yet. I actually can see myself liking that game. So I think, that will be the last Fire Emblem I try before I just write off the series as not for me. But anyway, moving on from Fire Emblem, what are you playing? Are you still playing Bayonetta and Doom yeah, 2016? I, I mean, I was literally playing them earlier today, so yeah. But So you're playing Doom 2016. Yeah. And I'm playing the original Doom <laughs> on the Switch. Yeah, and so, the original Doom is one of my favorite games ever. Yeah, and this is also just a game that, if you know gaming history, like, this is one of the most important video games ever. Yeah. Like, this is a top five, like, most maybe it's games. not maybe it's not your favorite game ever, but, for example, even someone like me who I hadn't really sat down to play it until now, I, would, I know how important this game is in terms of how influential it is and just, like, defining a genre, basically. Yeah. Um, and, dude, I'm loving this game. Like, I remember... I remember we were having a conversation years ago about games that we like and why we like them. And I was describing how like my favorite games are games that are just raw gameplay 
and atmosphere. Like I like games that are, um, they let, they give you a lot of control and they let you constantly be engaged with what they're doing, but the world is telling a story and giving you a setting and really making you feel a lot of different things. And your response was, you got to play Dark Souls and you got to play Doom. Yeah. And I've, I've obviously, I played Dark Souls like over a year ago. That game's amazing. Played that on Switch. And now I'm playing uh, Doom, um, which by the way, if you haven't played this game, I can't recommend it more. It's also like dirt cheap. Yeah. It's like $2. It's technically, man. it's free. because uh, True, yeah. Um, so John Carmack, when he was still like a big part of the company, right? Because he's not there anymore. Oh. He's like with the... You're talking about uh, John Carmack, creator of, of Doom, but id Software is the company yes. that created the game, right? Yes. Right. So he was, he's definitely like the, him and John Romero were the biggest guys there. Like there's also other people like Tom Hall who were definitely big mm-hmm. people there. But uh, John Carmack definitely uh, had his weight to throw around, you know? So like he was like, uh, he's like, he comes from like an open source world, right? Like that's, he's a programmer. Yeah. So like, He's used to things just coming to open source once, like it's run its course. So, like yeah. in 1997, I believe, he's like, "Yeah, we're I'm gonna put Doom's source code out there," and they were like, "What? <laughs> well, yeah. like, are you kidding me?" It's like, dude, like our sales through that game have been phenomenal already. Like, if you want people to play our games, like giving people the access to that to mod the game even further. Like it's gonna make us more sales later, but that's just the kind of the reason he gave them. He just wanted to make it open source so people could like experiment with it, right? Um, so now, like any device, any device you can think of that has like a 32-bit processor can run Doom. You know, like yeah. like people make the joke that like um, the first time we find like an alien ship, the first question people want to ask, can it run Doom? You know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. Like and any device you can think of, like it has some uh, version of Doom, and that's completely free for you to download. You know, that's it's not illegal. You know, it's just right. it's an open source game. So, right. So you can, if you have a computer, you can get Doom. Yeah, and and one of the funny things is that I just noticed uh, I haven't messed with it yet because I'm waiting to beat the game before I do this. But the Switch version, and I assume it's all the other versions on every platform. They it has an option to turn on a bunch of different mods for the game. Oh, that's sick. right in the main menu. Yeah, and it's funny because it gives you a little notice that says, "Hey, uh, some of these things are just crazy mods that may not work properly, but they're just here for you to play around with." So, like, go ahead. And I'm like, "What the hell?" Like, I I, I was not expecting them to just have mods and tell me this might break the game, but it's here for you to just have fun with. Yeah, that's um, very uh, not typical of console games. Yeah, and it's definitely very non-Tendo, yeah. all right? That's like the complete opposite of what Nintendo would have done. But um, uh, nonetheless, like, I'm really enjoying this game. One of the things that stood out to me, and I would love to try this game on on other consoles to, to test this, but this is the first Switch game where HD Rumble has actually like made an impression on me oh that's actually crazy i had dude I you wouldn't thought about that dude you wouldn't even think that because it's like this is a really old game and obviously that's something that they just added to this port but when you get the chainsaw like it re- i really feel like the buzz in my hands and it's really <laughs> funny because it caught me off guard like i just randomly 
it caught me off guard that there'd be a chainsaw to begin with, right? Because I'm shooting enemies. And then all of a sudden I get a chainsaw and I'm just like buzzing through a dude. And I'm like, oh my God, this game is insane. Yeah, it's like, um, even though it's all pixelated, like it's so grotesque. Like, it's like, <laughs> he like falls apart and just guts everywhere. Dude, they did such a good job with those animations. Like they, I've you see those, some of those animations a million times. Yeah. Like you shoot, you shoot an enemy and you see the blood shoot out of their head. And then they just like turn into that pile of mush on the floor. Yeah. But it's so satisfying. Like this game has nailed. Yeah, this game nailed a lot of the core things that I like about great games and things that usually you find only in Nintendo games. The game feel is really good. Yeah, like it feels your character, amazing. You have so much movement and mobility. And when you shoot something, there's there's like a the way that the sound and animation happens, like it just feels good. And those little things really define the experience for me personally. Whereas some other games, they it just feels like you're like floating through air or like, you know, you're not really shooting something. Like it's not easy to nail that stuff. You know, people can take that for granted. Yeah. I haven't felt this way since Dark Souls actually, where I really don't feel comfortable or safe ever. For a game that's that in some ways the game's really comical because it's it's kind of gratuitous with certain things and and it it in some ways it doesn't take itself seriously but at the same time it's really creepy yeah. and unsettling and even for how primitive it is i was dude last night i was uh playing it in bed just like on switch whatever and like there was a moment in the game where you come to a room that for some reason is pitch black like there's no light yeah and and you can hear enemies and then they start throwing enemies at you that are invisible, like that you can barely see them. <laughs> yeah. One of the funny things as I'm playing it is that this is a character and this is a game that is very, very highly requested for Smash Brothers. Yeah. And obviously, as we just went through, like if, if you've been listening to the conversation so far, this is a legendary game and series that 100% in terms of just how legendary it is deserves to be in Smash Brothers and be represented, uh, you know, next to Mario and Zelda and Pac-Man and all that. Um, but the funny thing is that as I'm playing it, I'm just thinking there's no way. Like, there's <laughs> no way that you can do this properly because there, there's two different things. Like, at this point, we've had many conversations about this over the years of being Smash fans and, and witnessing, like, DLC and the reveal for Ultimate and all the new characters, right? There are characters I never thought they would ever do and I'm like, they can't pull that off. And then they did it, right? Yeah. So I think at this point, they've proven me wrong so much that, of course, they could figure out how to do it. The question is, would they be able to do it well enough where people and fans at, would be happy with how it represents the, the series? Because, like, I don't know how you could put Doom Slayer as a character in Smash without having the blood and the gratuitous nature of the game represented and especially the the more modern doom games like they have more physical you know like he rips yeah, he off demons like, heads and like stuff splits their heads in half you know what i mean like yeah like, yeah and that's part of the personality and charm of the game is that they're putting you in this environment that's super unsettling right yeah and it's super like aggressive but you almost have the tools to fight it back like yeah. all the the feeling that i'm getting when i'm really unsettled in that game it it's fine when they give me the chainsaw and I could just mow through a bunch of guys. Like it's almost like they built up 
attention to me that I get to release, which yeah. is really cool. I, I don't know if I uh, could think of a lot of games that pulled that off the way Doom has, but you know, I just thinking about Doom in the in the context of Smash Brothers. Like, yes, I want this character. I just do not believe that there's a way to do it. Yeah. I just don't. Well, I don't know. Well, I know there's just like new stuff in the Doom game because he's really physical in that one. Like a big thing is like the glory kills. Right. right? And some of them are obviously like in way too insane. Like 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 the head splitting thing. Like you're not going to see Doom guy like splitting Bowser's head open, you know? It's not going <laughs> to happen. Right? That would be so funny. Yeah. It's like the demon shows up and it's Bowser and he's like, bro, I don't know why Mario just didn't pull your head off this whole time. Yeah. What I'm going to do? I'll pull your head off. <laughs> right? And But there's like other stuff, right? Like it gives different animations of just like knocking like demons out like with his bare fist, right? Or like kicking them yeah. to the side and like they go flying and stuff like that. Like yeah. that kind of stuff can translate to Smash, you know? Yeah. And but But at some point you have to have like something that's gratuitous because to me like something that is too far you know what i mean because a lot of characters and fps characters just you know kick the enemy or or you know if you're gonna put master chief from halo he has he's like more melee attacks he's actually way he's, more translatable yeah. like because the personality of that series doesn't include blood and guts and devils and and you know satan worshiping <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's hard to say because it's like even like Snake. Snake has like a move where he basically snaps your neck, you know? Like that's yeah. the same thing. Like everyone knows what it is. Like even though it's not like he's actually snapping your neck, that's what it is, you know? See, and the funny thing though is that I was thinking about Snake too because he would be I, I remember someone telling me back when he was revealed for Brawl how he doesn't fit Smash. And now in retrospect, um I think the reason why Snake works is because kind of like Doom Guy. Snake is kind of a comical figure. Like the things that he says and does, the 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 series can be very serious. Yeah. But it's also kind of goofy. Like he says very campy things, and he hides in a cardboard box. And that series has always had a sense of humor. Like putting the uh, the nude mags, and then the, the you know it's very comical. Yeah. Like they've always had a comical thing, and they've always had a supernatural thing, like Psycho Mantis and stuff. Yeah. So it, it it kind of somehow that translated into Smash. They kind of just got rid of the reliance on guns and replaced it with explosives and that kind of suited smash brothers but with this i feel like what like what is he gonna do like how is he gonna cut mario in half well i thought when was like he'd be super fast right because he has to be because like he has to be fast he has to yeah be fast and like mobile which is it sounds scary already you know like imagine yeah. like snake just being really fast right like it's not yeah. terrifying <laughs> yeah but like uh he just have like different guns and like they would just work differently. Like the shotgun could be like he run and shotgun you in the face. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but it wouldn't be like a re- it wouldn't be like a real shotgun. It'd be like. Well, here's the question though. Here's the question. So, as a fan of Final Fantasy VII, for example, right? Yeah. The way that the cloud is in the game, I think that not only did they pull it off, they represented the the final. They represented Final Fantasy VII in Smash. The right way like when you really think about it and you analyze it it's very different from how it works in the game like you don't have non-limit versions of blade beam and cross slash yeah but we don't even think about that because the whole mechanic of centering him around that meter is so what final fantasy is and what defines it compared to dragon quest and compared to other jrpgs it's all about like that's what really separated that series is the the way that they incorporate like you need to wait a certain amount of time 
and it's constantly building. So I would argue that not only did they put Smash in, I mean, Cloud in Smash, they put him in in a way that represented the series well. And with Doomslayer, the question is, I think at this point, after Prana Plant, after Ridley, after all these characters, We Fit Trainer, they can put anyone in the game, but do you think that they can do it and really nail the feel of Doom? Well, it'll be an interesting question because if if they do add them, they're obviously going to add the, the most from the newer games, like Doom and Doom Internal, right? Mm-hmm. And those games are actually really different than the original Doom. Like, they're right. really different. Like, yeah, they're both shooters, right? But the way you shoot in Doom is like a really, like, hit and run. And, like, there's also, like, a, a kind of efficiency to it. Right. And I feel like in the newer Doom, it's more of, like, you're kind of, like, popping shots until there's an opening, and then you run in. And then that's, like, kind of different, you know? Gotcha. Yeah. Right. But then again, you never know, because like looking at some of the characters when they finally made it into Smash, the version that they chose of that character wasn't the modern. Like, for example, Mega Man is the NES version of Mega Man. Yeah. Like the, the when Mega Man was still synonymous with Nintendo, that's the Mega Man they chose for Smash and not like the more modern versions of him. They, they basically took Mega Man 2 and added that. What I mean um, is like the moves because if it was just yeah. the original stuff i don't think they could do it you know because he's that game is mostly just about shooting you know gotcha yeah right yeah so you're saying because the newer ones add uh, they translate a little more to a fighting game because it's more physic it's more melee combat yeah. rather than just shooting because and, and that's the funny thing like there still isn't a shooter character in smash like there's yeah. Every freaking, every single major gaming genre is represented except for FPS, which is like the biggest or one of the biggest genres every year. Yeah. So, and if they're going to do it, there's no character that uh, I think would embody that franchise or that genre better than uh, Doom Slayer. Yeah. Uh, He's definitely the most influential, right? Yeah. I think the other face people... uh, talk about as master chief yeah that would be one of which the two is just the uh, doom guy too he, doom guy in space well i mean he kind of already was in space but yeah he's yeah. just doom guy too speaking of smash we have a new uh sakurai column from famitsu this week that just got translated and for people who don't know famitsu is like the most famous gaming magazine in japan probably most famous gaming magazine ever honestly just in the world They've been around for decades, and uh, Sakurai usually does a weekly column in the magazine. But this one is like, I I don't know if we're going to really talk about each one, because usually he'll just kind of talk about something that is interesting to him or an interesting game or something that's relevant to an announcement they just made. But this one, I think this is the most interesting one that they've had so far. So, by the way, it was translated by uh, Push Dustin and Robert Safazan. So definitely, uh, if you don't follow those guys on Twitter, I recommend you do because they, they're constantly translating stuff that Sakurai says in the column and other things. Push Dustin is at, at Push Dustin and Robert Safazan is at Safazan. So yeah, so we'll start with the beginning of this column. Uh, it's called Improvements Have Their Downsides. And the first paragraph is basically just discussing the, the entire thing is discussing the most recent August 5th Smash Bros. update. 
that we got, um, which added a new stage called Small Battlefield. Sakurai basically talks about how Battlefield is often used in 1v1 competitive play, but it was originally designed for four players. And because of that, Battlefield is slightly like tall and wide. Small Battlefield removes the top middle platform and brings the left and right platforms closer together. This is notably different from the Omega and Battlefield form stages. Um, he goes on to talk about how it would have been impossible to make a hundred different small battlefield smile stages the way that they did for FD and for a battlefield. Um, it's interesting how one of the narratives that smashers, and I think, I, you know, we're all kind of guilty of this to some degree is one of the narratives that we constantly say is that, um, Sakurai and Nintendo at large, they do not care about competitive smash. And that if they did, they'd do more, you know, to help it along and to support it and all this stuff. And this has been, uh, you know, a conversation for since the beginning of Smash tournaments and how Smash is, is not a competitive game. I mean, even until Smash 4, dude, like people were saying that it's not a real fighting game. Like we're talking about Melee, like the yeah. biggest fighting game ever at this point. And the most long, the longest running fighting game ever is Melee at this point now in history. Not even close. But not even close. But even five years ago, like when I first started going to tournaments, I remember it was a big deal. You had to vote it in to get into Evo. Like they, they didn't even have a slot for it. It was, it had to be like, it had to win the basically the prize slot and compete with other games. And this is a very interesting um, narrative. Uh, and I think it's interesting how he's talking about how basically saying, you know, we made small battlefield in a sense for competitive play because battlefield wasn't really designed for four, for one V ones. And we wanted to kind of find something that better suited that. So we got rid of that top middle platform. So I think, I think what, what do you, what do you make of that? Like just the, the fact that he kind of purposely says and describes like, this is why we made this stage. Well, I think it's a little obvious because when the first Super Smash Brothers, that thing, that that stage was designated for the multi-man. Like, oh, right. 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 Yeah. If you were playing single player, you would get to the, towards the end of the single player mode, there would be, you'd, you'd play a game on Battlefield and it would be like the knockout 100 polygon guys. Yeah. It wasn't, it was like, you wouldn't see it in the main game outside of that yeah well like it that was it was just like its own like event like it wasn't like it wasn't like a multi-man mode in the first game it was just like right the, like the second to last stage on classic like right mm -hmm. master hand you had to go to the polygon team right and that was the only place you could play on battlefield it was not available in the multiplayer at all you know mm -hmm. so to me it was like it's always kind of been that yeah and it, we just kind of got lucky that it was a really good stage for competitive play, you know? Yeah, right, right. And and definitely Small Battlefield feels like a more competitive uh, focused level because I'm just thinking like if you play that with four players, right, It now it kind of to his point, just in my brain, I'm thinking, oh, there's not a lot of room. You know what I mean? <laughs> like where is everybody going to be? You know, they're kind of just hitting each other very, very close up. So that was interesting, but the real reason we're talking about this column and like the more important part is what he gets into into the second half of this uh, column where he talks about how a lot of attention was put into making the input delay when fighting 1v1 as very low. 
However, as a side effect, when there is a delay in communication, the match may drop. Some small adjustments to matchmaking and other optimizations are still being tweaked. Uh, Sakurai says specific details of these updates have not been revealed as they are largely client side, and therefore there is a limit to such improvements. Mr. Harada, the producer of Tekken, he posted on Twitter that 60% of home console gamers use Wi-Fi, but for the Switch, it's probably more than 60%. Sakurai says that internet connections across the world may not necessarily be as fast as Japan's, although making adjustments and improvements to online play has its own risk. Internet speed has seen its own improvements over recent years, and Sakurai says he will review and adapt accordingly. There are often requests to display when a fighter is using Wi-Fi, when a player is using Wi-Fi, but it's not possible to refuse a player based on their connection time. But the real, like, interesting part that is really, like, what I want to talk about is regarding rollback netcode, he researched a similar feature during development and decided against it as side effects were substantial. And they end the column with Super Smash Brothers that exceeded 20 million units sold, biggest fighting game of all time, not even close, like destruction. Um, so what's your impression of him basically? Uh, so here's the thing. I feel like if if you, ever since quarantine started, and even before quarantine started, but especially after quarantine, the entire Smash community has been having this nonstop conversation about the online and smash right and one of the things that people talk about a lot is how other fighting games like killer instinct and basically all the western fighting games like even the modern mortal kombat games and stuff they have what's called rollback netcode and smash the online quote sucks because it still has delay based netcode and everybody really wants Smash to improve its netcode, but to more specifically adopt rollback netcode. So I just found it interesting that number one, Sakurai would make the column, would even make a column addressing this because to me it means, you know, as much as we think that Nintendo and um, a lot of their creators are very, they definitely have a reputation of being very secretive and being making bizarre moves that aren't what other companies would do. And sometimes that works out. You know, you get something very inventive and new that is really cool, but sometimes you get things that are very archaic and are not up to the standard of what the industry has moved on to do. So this, they've kind of always had this image of, you know, does Miyamoto even play modern games? Does anyone at Nintendo even know what's happening outside of their little playground at Nintendo? And for me, like, Sakurai specifically talking about this stuff, it feels like a direct reaction to what we've been talking about in the Smash community for the past few months. And this isn't the first time. Like I remember back in uh, Smash 4 after Bayonetta had come out and she was destroying like the tournament scene, he had like a kind of like a sideways column where he talked about how people complain about characters and if you think a character is really good, you should be playing that character or whatever. And so... I, number one, I think Sakurai's listening. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's just interesting to see him really like talk about this specifically. Like, what was your impression off this? Well, the first thing I want to say is uh, to completely get rid of the rumor that Sakurai uh, doesn't play games. He actually plays games more than anybody I've ever seen play games. Um, 
I remember yeah, like compared to other compared to other creators, I don't think anyone else has been as open as he has about all types of different games. Like if you follow his columns, he talked about like Fallout and a bunch of stuff. He showed his game collection and how insane it is like over the years. Yeah, and I don't even mean like other creators. I mean like you and me. Yeah. Dude. Like, <laughs> That's actually true. Dude, Holy I remember crap. he posted like I'm actually looking for it now on my phone, right? Because to make sure like, yeah. they got the number right. But I remember he posted he's like, um, he's like, hey guys, like how many games did you guys beat this year? Like for 2019? Oh, I remember that. Like yeah, two hundred games just just twenty nineteen. You know what I mean? Like that is an insane number of games. Yeah, dude. It's like I don't even beat. I beat like ten games a year. Oh, okay. I got the tweet right here. He's like, uh, he says that it looks. Like it says that he's beating over two hundred and forty two titles from his PlayStation, his Switch, and PC just on twenty nineteen. How is that even possible? I don't know. Maybe like. Dude, this man is one of the other things he's famous for is having an insane schedule where he's constantly working and he's like at the verge of death. <laughs> like the, one of the things we heard about recently was how he had an accident at a, at the gym when he was working out. This was like two months ago and how he's fine. But, you know, for a while there, it looked kind of dicey and stuff. And he has to go to the gym and work out. And like, of course, dude, we all care about his health. Like he's made one of my favorite games ever multiple times. And he's one of the best of all time. But it's like, how does he have time to work that hard and play over 200 games in a year? Yeah. Um, and if you, I forgot, I thought uh, what character, what, it, it definitely has to be Min Min because it was like quarantine, right? Or he had to like film from his apartment or not his apartment, his house, right? And he showed off his like his setup, right? And he had like a million consoles on the bottom, like yeah and yeah uh going back to that follow thing right like it wasn't just like he was just like casually mentioning it he was just like yeah i want the dlc to be so good i want it to be as good as the fallout dlc so not only did he play fallout he played all the dlc of it and thought it was amazing you know and by the way for people who may not be familiar with fallout that is not a game that you can just like experience in 10 hours that's a commitment of a game that's a hundred yeah. hour game that is a hundred yeah. hour game yeah and especially insane. with the DLC, it's like 150 hours, maybe you know. Yeah. So, so, what did you what did you think about him just in general addressing, um, kind of? It felt like he was kind of responding to the community, yeah. like, "Hey, you yeah. guys are you guys are talking about stuff that maybe you don't know." You know what I'm saying? Like, in a way, sometimes it feels like, um, and may, and obviously some we're all kind of guilty of this. Like, I feel like you and I know more about games than than most people. But we don't know what it's like to make a game yeah. or to make a 20 million selling, you know, Smash Brothers that includes every company that ever made a video game before. So sometimes people, um, I get it. Like we're having casual conversation. We're just trash talking. We're on Twitter. But sometimes I, I it really bothers even me that people reduce things to it's trash yeah. or like one word, like this is bad. This yeah. is good, and this is trash, and this is godlike. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, if you haven't even made a sandwich in your life, then you shouldn't be. You should be kind of having a little more humility when you're criticizing, you know, a company or a creator specifically for certain decisions they make. Because it, it's uh, like, for example, he details here that he did research rollback netcode. People talk about Nintendo or Sakurai specifically about like almost as if. We're the experts, and of course Nintendo hasn't heard of rollback netcode because there's no way that they could be as smart as I am 
on this subject. Like that's almost the way the arrogance of how those conversations play out. Yeah. He's kind of like, dude, yeah, I researched this, a similar feature during development, you know, a long time ago. And we decided against it because of certain side effects. So I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm not saying that um, we can talk about how we would prefer a different option, right? I, I personally would prefer a rollback, but I'm not going to act like I know his process and know that he didn't know about it or just say oversimplified and say Nintendo's garbage or they're always up garbage online. That's not an interesting conversation. And it's also, it's kind of showing that you're, you're ignorant on how these things happen, yeah. how these decisions are made. So I want to comment on a few things, right? I wanted to bring up the, the like the amount of games he plays just to kind of give him some credit, right? Like, well, the yeah. credit he deserves because that is an insane number. Like, I, this is baffling, right. baffling. You know, right? But um, he's obviously well researched, right? And if kind of it gives me uh, a kind of from that column, it kind of gives me his mindset a little bit. And this is all uh, assumptions, you know. I'm not saying this is actually what happened, right? Because he mentioned Harada from Tekken, right? Right. And that game doesn't, if, if I'm correct, if I remember this correctly, that game doesn't actually have a rollback. It has like some different thing. So hold on, let me uh, let me give some clarity. Let me before you you go on, I, hold on to your thought. But one thing I think we need to establish here is we need to explain what rollback netcode is in a very simple way, as simple as we can, and what delay netcode is. Because one of the things that I really <laughs> annoys me about people, and we're guilty of it now, is that have you ever just had like you wake up one day and all of a sudden everyone is saying a phrase <laughs> that you've never heard before. And they're all saying it at the same time and you're seeing it everywhere. And you're like, how does everyone know what this means? Except for yeah, me. Yeah, I know what you're saying. One time I remember at some point I woke up and everyone was just saying SJW, right? Oh like, my gosh. Left and right a couple of years ago, everyone was using this term. And some friend of mine was like, yeah, that dude, he's just a, he's just an SJW guy. And I'm like, what does that mean? And he's like, it, you know, it means like a dude who's like, you know, he's always calling people out for social justice problems and he's always on. And I'm like, dude, how does all you guys say in this term overnight? And I never heard of it until now. Like, what what does SJW even mean? And he's like, I just told you. And I'm like, no, no, no. What do like the actual letters mean? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bro, you guys all started saying it. You don't even know what the freaking acronym stands for. Yeah, he could have been saying a slur and I don't even know it. Yeah, it, it means social justice warrior. Yeah. And so hang on to your thought. I know I derailed you a, a long time here, but in very simple terms, just for the purpose of this conversation, we should establish what is rollback netcode versus what is delay-based netcode. Okay. If you could if you could figure out a way to explain that in one or two sentences, that would be Maybe godlike. not that short, but we'll try, right? So basically when two players connect to each other in a fighting game, right? Or any game, really, right? Yeah. So first, you need the inputs from your side and their side, right? And that's usually peer-to-peer, you know? Like, if right. there's no server, like, out there getting those inputs. It's just you communicating with the other player, right? And with the delay-based netcode, when it's time for you guys to receive each other's inputs, there has to be a small amount of delay, right? No matter what. No matter what game you're playing, there has to be some a little bit of delay. It could be three frames, it could be four frames, it could be five frames, whatever, right? And that delay is there so they can read the inputs. It's like, all right, I need that information. So where is it? The, like right. the, your, your machine is talking to the other machine. Like, hey, I need those information. Where is it? 
So that's what that those frames are there for. And with a delay-based netcode, right? If I didn't get that information in time because of some sort of problem with the connection, right? Like every frame will get slower and slower and slower, or you can completely stop until there's another there's a, the input is read. Because the game can literally not continue until it knows right. what it's supposed to do. Right? Right. So with the rollback, it's actually still kind of the same thing. That's still kind of like that. Okay, we need that information. Where is it? Right? And with the rollback, it's like it kind of simulates what would happen. So if you were, for example, you're playing a fighting game, right? And you're pressing forward, it's going to assume that you're still holding forward. So it'll make that prediction and simulate that for both players, right? It'll simulate what you're doing and it'll simulate what your uh, opponent's doing, right? For each other. And if that matches up, which it usually does, right? Like, especially right. in a fighting game because your moves are really committed. So if you're doing, like, an attack, like in Smash, you're doing a forward smash, right? Those moves take a long time, like, up to 50 or 60 frames, right? So in computer t- in, in computer time, that's extremely slow, right? For us, it's a second. Right. You know, it's fast. Right. But in that amount of time, it could be like, all right, they matched up, so we're good. So you'll never even notice that... Uh, there was a kind of a, a simulation going on, and yeah, and and in the case where they did predict something wrong, a lot of times they can correct it in in the span of two or three frames. Like, oh, to correct this and and make sure that everything is matching up, we just made that move you did faster than it normally would be. The animation is faster, just so that both players aren't experiencing any slowdown in their gameplay. Well, really, it's like it, 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 the simulation if it doesn't match up it go it, it rolls back right to where it's supposed right. to be and then it course corrects right right so th- yeah. that's kind of like where the rollback comes from so technically rollback and delay based are not that different from each other it's just that the rollback has more features to it so it's almost say. like a, a rollback basically has a solution to stopping gameplay in order to receive an input. It's basically predicting an input so that the gameplay doesn't have to stop to continue. And and so that people understand, when we say the, the, the system rolls back, this is so fast and just in the term, it's in a window of, of a few frames, it's not noticeable to a human eye. Like it's not like you're playing a game and then yeah. you saw someone go back in time. You know what I mean? Because that's how it can sound when you don't see it in action. I, I actually would like to recommend there's a video, this is the best netcode video I've ever seen uh, talking about rollback and describing it. It's called Talking Netcode with Adam Kite's Heart. Um, you should check that out on YouTube. Definitely link it in the and description of your YouTube video. I'll definitely do that as well um, because you you really need to see that in order to understand what we're talking about. And they break it down in such simple terms and show you exactly what we're talking about. So anyway, now that we have that established, rollback versus delay-based, Carry on with what you were saying about how Sakurai and all, all that. All right, so Sakurai, when I'm reading through that article, right, uh, I kind of got some of his uh, thought process through it, right? How he talks about, like, oh, uh, Harada said that most players don't uh, use Wi-Fi. So he's clearly that he uh, respects him, right, as like as a creator, right? Right. So right. if he's like, oh, rollback has problems, right? Like, he... Like, this is, again, this is all assumption. I'm not saying this is what actually happened, right? This is what I think maybe this thought process, right? Right? And he saw, like, the problems for a rollback, and maybe he's like, okay, that sounds kind of bad, right? And was like, this might not work for Smash. Mm-hmm. And 
a, a thing that people don't realize about games development, right? Is that if things take time, that means it takes money, right? So right. let's say uh, they're in the process. Smash Ultimate's development was fairly quick, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially compared to the other entries in the series. Yeah. So so three years is not a lot of development time. Like It's a long time for us, right? But for a development time, a twenty million dollar, a twenty million selling game with like a super high budget, with all like Smash Ultimate is a, is a great looking game. Like, it, yeah, I know some people like think that like, oh, it could look better here, blah blah blah. It is like an incredible feat of technology, you know? Right. Especially to have it run at sixty frames per second, like that is. Dude, it runs at sixty while eight players are on screen during a stage morph with items on, and then you can take it out of the dock without missing a step and play it portably all while that's happening. Yeah. So like, the, the, and it never drops a frame. Yeah. Ever. I mean, it'll maybe drop a frame or two, you know, who cares? Right. Yeah. That kind of stuff. is like, Oh, it's at 59, not yeah, 60. It's like, it's like a, dude, the, it's pretty much at 60 every, all the time. Yeah. Even if there's like a, like a small stutter, right. It's like, you have to consider like the craziness that's happening there. Like the models that you're seeing on screen are extremely detailed, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're making the game, right? And they have the design document out, right? And like, okay, online, right? But there's this other option we could use for online, right? And it could take more. It's definitely gonna take more time to implement than we have. You know? Right. <laughs> like, we don't even know how well it's gonna work, and we don't have the time to do it. So. Right. Yeah. So it's almost like also a decision about. This would be new for the series, right? And so we wouldn't have time to test it necessarily. And it would just add more work and time to it yeah. that we might not necessarily have. Especially because, like, the I remember uh, Sakurai put another column out earlier when Smash Ultimate is either announced or it came out around that time, right? He was like, mm-hmm. okay, for this game, we're bringing everybody back. Like, he was hyped to say it, right? Yeah. And the team, and the team. was just like, are <laughs> you kidding me? Like, that that's an insane amount of work. Everyone were just, like, speech just like, like, you're kidding, right? Like, uh, Everything you said is true. Like, this would, you know, it costs money. It's, it's people, I mean, people do act like it's a lot easier than it sounds. But then again, people would make the argument, you know, there are modders who made rollback for Melee in in a very quick amount of time and everyone thinks it it works great you know so it's definitely doable and i actually think it has it has nothing to do with any of that so the first thing i would say is it's it's not because nintendo doesn't know better which is what most people say because mario kart guess what mario kart if it doesn't have roll rollback it has something very very similar yeah so mario kart there are times where i swore i hit an enemy with something and all of a sudden, things will change. It, they'll make adjustments for something in the blink of an eye, and I'll have completely missed. And when I watch the replay, I can see that the player actually, when when the replay is created based off of the, just the raw inputs of every player, I can see that the player had an item behind them or they actually turned over around the corner quicker than my screen rendered it. And the rollback actually protected those inputs and it looks kind of janky for a split second on my end, but that's what should have happened, right? So Splatoon has great online. Mario Kart 8 has great online. I'm just talking about the um, the connections. I know people will probably nitpick like the services, like Mario Kart is missing certain, like it doesn't have a spectator mode, for example. 
Yeah, I'm not talking about features. I'm talking about just how it. good is this connection? Yeah, how does it feel to play this game online, right? Um, now, the thing is, people usually say those aren't fighting games. So it's very different. It's a lot easier to pull off Mario Kart and, and Splatoon because they're not as precision-based as a fighting game. But then you look at something like ARMS, and while you could probably say it's not as precision-based as like a hardcore FGC game, it has rollback. Yeah. That these are all three first party Nintendo games I just mentioned that all have um great online and one of them for sure guaranteed has rollback. So my interpretation of this and going to the thing you said about Tekken was that this Smash's problem with the delay based netcode, at first I thought that it was really just the fact that the game is actually developed at Namco. It's not developed at Nintendo internally. Yeah. And that's a big deal because it means that the people making the game, you're at the whims of the studio that you're working with. And Sakurai is basically the director of the people who usually work on Namco games. And their skill set is making delay-based netcode games. If you look at any Namco fighting game, I did a little research on this. People complain about the online for Soul Calibur, for Tekken, for all of those games because they don't really use rollback for any of it. Yeah. So then the conversation shifted into an East versus West thing, which then someone pointed out to me that actually it's bigger a problem than that because outside of the Nintendo games I just mentioned earlier, all of the what the Eastern uh, Japan-made fighting games, they all have uh, delay-based netcode and they also just have pretty poor netcode, even for by delay-based standards, right? Um, it seems like online is just not as big of a thing in Japan. Like people are more into mobile gaming and they're not as much into playing games online. So maybe that's a big a big reason for it. Well, another thing that I wanted to like, uh, also lead into, right, was uh, you mentioned that, that Namco develops uh, Smash Ultimate and it also develops Smash 4, right? Right. Well, that's another thing about development that people don't realize. Mm -hmm. They have to ask Nintendo to change anything, right? Like when it comes to changing, yeah. they're like, all right, uh, hey, Nintendo, we want to work online for a bit. Can we do that? They're going to be like, shouldn't you be working on DLC number seven? You know what I mean? Like, Right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not as simple as just, oh, you know, someone on the internet, they pointed us out to roll back that code. All of a sudden, I could overnight just make this decision and voila, it's yeah. all fixed. So because there's like a disconnect of like, producer and developer because uh it's not in-house right they can't just like mm -hmm. des decide to do it you know there's a there's like a yeah. big process it's like well we want to do that but right now we're contracted to do this and if we don't do that it's going to be looked bad on us as a developer you know yeah and and the other so i actually now I remember where i was going with that other thing so i was mentioning all the different like speculative reasons why i thought that um why they didn't go with uh, rollback from the start that, you know, Namco created the game um, and their skill set is in making delay-based netcode games. Uh, Nintendo is just oblivious, doesn't even know netcode is, uh, doesn't even know rollback is. Like all those things have been answered, right? The thing, the real thing to me that I think really tells us uh, what, like my theory now on why they don't have rollback based off of this article is that, the artifacting, I think, is something that for Nintendo specifically is unacceptable. 
So let me explain what that means, right? So earlier we were talking about how a lot of times with rollback, they need to make corrective, um, they need to make corrective uh, animations and that goes with sound cues and stuff. And for some games and game makers, maybe they're okay with the fact that if their character says, you know, Hadouken and the rollback determines that that move shouldn't have come out and now halfway through the sentence, a, a word of Hadouken, they have to cut it in half and cut the animation. For a lot of developers, maybe that's okay. But one based off of this and based off Sakurai saying like, you know, there were a lot of side effects that they didn't want to go with. I think now my new theory on why rollback's not in Smash is because Nintendo as a company is so protective of how every one of their characters is represented, every animation, and that's something that no other company can rival them with. Like you can, we can go over story over story, like from history of how how meticulous they are about how how their characters are portrayed in every sense. And again, I'm not here to defend any of that. I'm not saying that, you know, this is why people shouldn't complain or anything. I'm trying to understand, instead of just saying it's trash, I'm trying to understand or give benefit of the doubt of like, why would it be the way it is? And I think now, you know, for them, Mario saying, you know, having a, a patented sound that he makes, that's very iconic and very much like a, an integral part of the character. And if rollback is going to mean that you're going to have like, janky audio cues or audio cues that are cut in half or certain animations aren't going to be perfect. I can see that for Nintendo standards, their character preservation and the way that they go about that, they're so meticulous that they might, they might have kiboshed it and just been like, dude, we can't do rollback because it's going to make our characters look stupid or make, make them look janky. And we put, we take so much pride in our animations. It's possible. It's, it's hard to agree. I'm not saying you're wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's possible that could have, that could have been exactly mm -hmm. what they said. Who knows? Right? That's the biggest thing I hear. The, right. the, the biggest yeah, thing we're, here we're that we're going to clear up right. is that we do not know. <laughs> right? This is all stuff that you yeah. don't know. We don't know. The only people who know are the people who are actually working on it. Right? And I want to give them the credit that they're actually a very skilled team. Like, if you think Smash Ultimate is a badly programmed game, like you're you're definitely just wrong. Right? You couldn't do better. You can't. You couldn't. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not even saying it's the best programmed game of all time, right? But like it, it right. I definitely want to give the team the credit that they deserve, right? Yeah. If you follow me on Twitter, you already know that yeah. I have plenty of complaints yeah. about this game. So it's not that we're trying to be, yeah. you know, apologists you for everything Smash Bros. Right? Like just how how like the industry works. Right. Like, the things that I brought up earlier about like time and money and like asking to implement these things, right? Like those things are not simple things. Right, and but the right. getting back to what I was saying earlier well, about how I'm not sure if I agree because Mario Kart does have some version of that, right? And sometimes things do look kind of janky, right? So I'm not sure that's the specific right. reason, but who knows, right? It it it, it is right. Yeah, that's a, a good, good point. point to consider, right? Because like uh, the only reason that Smash even exists, right, is because they uh, didn't want Mario and Pikachu fighting each other. They just didn't want it, right? But because of the sub story of it being like toys and then later trophies, right? right? Like, like okay, now it's fine. Yeah. Right? But if it were just straight up Mario and Pikachu fighting each other, duking it out, like smacking each other in the face, it wasn't gonna fly. They, they hundred percent. That I think there was a, an article they put out like a long time ago, right? 
many many years ago about that 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 needed to be the case or that wasn't the game wasn't going to be approved exactly that this franchise almost didn't exist because of how meticulous nintendo is about how they represent characters so like you just said you know they were apparently the only reason the game ended up getting made the original smash brothers is because sakurai eventually decided that if you're making a fighting game one of the problems that you need to solve that most fighting games had is that you don't even know who to pick when you're on the screen for the for the character select screen for the first time. You're kind of just judging them by how they look, and you don't really know anything about these characters. So he thought, well, if I use characters everyone already knows, at least they'll have more of an informed opinion on who they should play or why they want to play them. And so that's where the idea of having the Nintendo uh, first-party characters in the game came from, right? But then he told uh, Miyamoto and Iwata that, and they were like, you know, we can't have Mario punching Pikachu. Like, Mario doesn't do violent things. So he ended up making a demo of the game with Mario, Fox, Pikachu, and I think it was Samus. And he showed them the demo. And when they saw it in context, they were like, oh, we're going to make this game. This looks cool. But on paper, you know, they were really protective of that, of the series. So, yeah, you're right. Like, it, it could... You know, I feel like you kind of disproved my theory and proved it at the same time because you're like, you disproved it by saying Mario Kart has yeah. it, has rollback or something similar, and it creates these janky little interactions. But so they're, they're not meticulous about that when it's there. But when it's Smash Brothers, all of a sudden they're very, very meticulous. I don't agree personally, but it's definitely a possibility, you know? Right. So, uh, as I'm saying, who's to say, you know, like we don't know the point here is we're talking about it. That's the interesting part, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's definitely an issue, right? It's a, it's an issue. It's just, it's just an issue. The net, the net code stuff, it's a problem, but it's not one that could be solved overnight. And even if it was possible to do overnight, like who's to say they wanted to, you know, maybe they're just okay with it. So in the patch, they, along with Small Battlefield, they did improve the online a bit. And really, like, there's a lot of technical language as to what they did, but the result is basically that when you have two people playing just one-on-one -on -one and there's no other people in the room, there's no spectators, nothing like that, it basically just eliminates, like, one frame of delay. If both of you have a good connection and you're playing just one-on-one -on -one online Smash Brothers. So... If you think about the the input delay the game already has natively, right? Like just this, that's another conversation, but this game has, I, I believe it's like four or five frames of lag, of input delay, just the base game you're Pretty playing sure offline like by yourself, right? Six. Or with other people. Yeah, some, someone told me it's between six, five and seven, right? And that's the native. And then when you go online, you're adding even more input delay. So this patch, it really only took away one frame, which again, as we said earlier, you're not even going to notice. You don't, the human eyes has trouble noticing one or two, three frames. You know what I'm saying? So eliminating one frame is a step in the right direction, but man, it's like, if that's the best they can do, then we're really just going to be stuck with what we have. There's no patch coming that's going to eliminate five frames or, you know, add rollback netcode all of a sudden out of nowhere. We should nowhere. still be asking you know for what I mean? it. That's the thing that I want to uh, make sure is that we should still keep asking for it. Uh, um, the only way you get yeah. things is to ask for it. 
So uh, let's say the next Smash team comes out and it comes out with re- uh, rollback on deck, right? That's going to be because of us, you know, us asking for it over and over and over and over again. So we just spent the last a couple minutes explaining what these things are and how, what why we think the things are the way they are. So now that we have context, I'm happy to disagree, <laughs> right? Like I, like I said earlier, I hate when people just assume that they know everything and they're just like, this is trash. Now that we've kind of went back and forth and we've given them the benefit of the doubt, I'm 100% on board with you. Like they, in my opinion, they need to do it. It's not even an, uh, an option anymore. And maybe it adds and multiplies the amount of work. Maybe they need to, you know, change how many different animations there are or sound effects there are when things get cut off in the middle of a move or whatever it is. But 100% us asking for it is going to mean that it that is going to happen eventually. You know, this is not good marketing for Nintendo, and they're definitely not happy with the fact that basically the game only exists online right now because of COVID, right? So... This is a game that still has DLC on the way, and if you're just going off of the community that plays it, the headlines are just going to be talking about how bad the online is because that's all people want to talk about and complain about. You know, there were like hashtag movements, and I mean, it had to have gotten big enough where Sakurai wrote this column kind of answering to it, right? So I think we still need to ask for it 100%, and, you know, I kind of... I think it, it, it needs to happen. Like, I, I actually don't see, I don't see them not doing it in the future because of how big the demand is. The only issue I see now is it's pretty much not happening with this game. Because in my mind, if the best they could do was this one frame, I really doubt that for, for technical reasons, they could just all of a sudden give us rollback into this game with a patch. Like, I, I just don't see that happening. And thinking about, like, Ultimate is designed to be Ultimate. It's designed to be the final thing. Like, this is supposed to be the Smash game that we're playing for freaking 10 years, you know? Like, Sakurai's not making another one yeah. immediately after this. So, we should definitely complain, and we should definitely, you know, hold everyone to a, a higher standard, like, our, you know, creators and all that. But at the same time, I also kind of now think, is it even worth it because we're probably not getting another Smash game this decade? You know what I mean? When the inevitable Switch 2 comes out, whatever they want to call it, right? Like, they're not going to just... Like, moving a game over to the next platform isn't easy, right? Development has to go into that, right? So, that's the time where, like, you have you have a lot of time, right? They give you... Not a lot of time, right? But they give you more time than just, like, in between patches, right? To do work. So that's the time where it could happen, you know, like they'd say they port ultimate over to the switch Two or whatever. Right. If they don't make a new smash game, assume they don't because they have every time, you know, like that's the time where they could like, okay, you know, like maybe this time we give it a go. Cause we have an opportunity to do that. You know, it's just a very who's to say kind of thing. And it's also just, uh, just asking yeah. for rollback. Right. Is that minimum going to get us a little bit of fixes, you know, like, that one frame, like if you just play it out, it actually kind of feels better, you know? It actually does. You're right. Like it isn't, you're right. Like on paper, I'm kind of diminishing it a bit, but even I, I remember playing right afterward and thinking, oh, wow, this actually does feel better. But even though it was only a frame. So maybe if, if they got rid of one more yeah. frame, I'd be <laughs> even happier. One frame, sir, please. So moving on, there have been a lot of rumors 
this week and every week for the past few months that there's a collection to commemorate Mario's 35th anniversary, 35th birthday, a third anniversary for this episode, bro. <laughs> that's that's hype. So uh, to co- commemorate that, they uh, the rumor is that there is a collection of 3D Mario games that's coming to the Switch and that it was supposed to be at E3, but then COVID changed everything and their plans have now shifted and the game is apparently not even coming out this year. Um, I don't really want to spend details analyzing what could or should be based off of the rumors because the rumors for this collection have been around for so many weeks. The only reason I bring this up is because at this point, there have been so many rumors about it that at least we know, I would say that at this point, we can confirm that a Mario 3D collection is actually happening because it's rare for a rumor to persist from different sources that all have the exact same um, description of what the actual game is, right? The details, I mean, I don't really want to get into the details because those are all subject to change. You don't know what the truth of a rumor begins or ends. But at this point, I think it's safe to say we're getting a Mario 3D collection at some point. Like, I, I'm willing to bet my money that this, this collection is real. It's not just like a fake rumor. Like so many other games, like the Mario, the uh, F-Zero Star Fox crossover game that we ne- literally, that was a rumor like four years ago, never materialized. Um, so I'm pretty excited about this. Like I actually, for me, it's almost like this game is finally announced because at this point, I believe yeah. it's real. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's, uh, it's definitely like, this is happening. Like, when a rumor like this comes out and it doesn't happen, usually it just dies, you know? Like it's just like, okay, it was wrong, you know? But it's, yeah. for how long it's permeated and like, like how people are just like still talking about it, like the public, but like publications, right? It's almost just accepted. It's almost accepted at this point that this is real. And it makes sense because, you know, this year is Mario's 35th anniversary, which is kind of misleading because it's not the 35th anniversary of when we first saw Mario. It's actually the 35th anniversary of when Super Mario Brothers on the NES came out in Japan. It's not Mario's first appearance, which would be earlier in Donkey Kong, right? Um, Maybe it's the first, maybe their logic is this is the anniversary of when we started calling him Mario because he was just Jumpman in the original. Oh, there's Mario Bros, the arcade game, you know. Oh, and the, yeah, and they're not counting that. They're counting Super Mario Brothers because it's it's September 13th, yeah, 1985. Super Mario and Mario uh, are in different Japan. franchises to them. To them, Super Mario is like the, the, the mainline, like platformer stuff. Yeah, and it's funny because one of the weird things about Super Mario Brothers, this is like the most famous video game ever, right? It's like this is the biggest game. This game created the game industry, saved it from ruin. And the funny thing about this game is that no one to this day is 100% sure when it came out in North America. What? So if you, dude, okay, this game is, if you look it up, right, you will find that no one is really sure when it originally launched in North America. They know in Japan the release date was September 13th, but in North America, they're not sure. There's a lot of conflicting um, dates on fans have tried to like figure it out. You never heard about this? No. This is so funny. What? This is, dude, I'm telling you, people in North America do not know when the North American How version- How is that possible? How do you not know? Dude, it's weird. There's there's apparently conflicting, um, there's conflicting information, and I would have to look more into it, but 
I researched it before the show, and it is not the date is unknown. I'm literally How funny this, is that? I'm literally looking this up right now. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Super Mario Bros. North America release date. Dude, what? What? <laughs> Dude, I can't no one is real. <laughs> Dude, but in Japan they know, right? But they just don't know North America. They they're not sure. How does how does Nintendo have not confirmed this already? Exactly. No one no one knows. It's so weird. Dude, I'm sorry. This is so blowing my mind. <laughs> I'm like reading this and it's like, yeah, there's a lot of debate. I'm like, how is there a debate? You know? Yes, man. Yep. No one's really sure when it came out in America. Oh my god. Mind blowing. Yeah. Mind blowing. So um you know, when they announced that the Olympics were gonna be in Japan, the uh prime minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, he came out in a warp pipe. Wearing a Mario hat. And wearing a Mario hat, and they had a cool, amazing-looking Mario animation of Mario running around, like, Tokyo. And it was the big announcement that, you know, Mario was going to be the mascot for the Olympics for 2020. Like, an Italian guy became (laughs) the mascot for Japan. But Mario 3D Collection, I'm excited. I can't wait for that. If it's Now, before we go, we're going to close the show out, but Mario 3D Collection, (laughs) you and I have... Very different opinions about one specific thing. Yep. Mario 64, my probably my second favorite game of all time. It's probably the greatest video game ever made. You agree with that, but where we disagree is <laughs> in this 3D collection, when they announce it, all right, if it's a remake just visually, but it plays like the original game, and it's just a visual remake, are you going to be disappointed? I want to be horribly disappointed. <laughs> I want to be upset. I want to be angry even. <laughs> That's hilarious. Dude, why? This, the, the game looks perfectly fine. I mean, it looks janky, but like, it still looks pleasing to the eye, you know? But I can't believe that I met a person who actually is more of a purist on this than I am because I feel like compared to most people, I'm one of those guys who's like, dude, you don't need to change things that were already amazing. And the original is a classic. And there's a reason where it's a big deal today and people still speed run it and everything. Like I'm usually that guy, but with this game, I'm okay with just cosmetic changes and leaving the game as long as the game feels and plays the same way, that's what I think matters. I right? also think, I doubt that if they changed that, that it would it would feel the same. I 100% doubt it, but go on, go on. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, I can't believe I met somebody who's even more hardcore in the direction of, no, don't even change literally anything about it. Yeah. Because I think most, most gamers, like most people that we talk to, they'd be like, yeah, just remake it. No big deal, right? Remake everything. And I'm like, dude... You don't need to remake everything. Some things are godlike, are perfect the way they are. And Mario 64 is one of those things. Yeah. But I personally think that they need to make the graphics better. That's what I think. I think some of those textures look horrible. All right. So this is the the right answer, right? Ignoring <laughs> what he said, because I don't know what crazy stuff he's done. Make it, the resolution is better. And that's it. And the game will look it will it will it will astound you how much better the game will look when the resolution 
is higher, you know? Okay, so here's the thing. They already remade my favorite game in the world. Number one, Ocarina of Time. It's ne no one's dethroned that game as my favorite. I love that game. And it's from the same era as Mario 64. I love the Ocarina of Time remake. I think it's so good. Like, yeah, there's things here and there that I'm like, okay, graphically, this and that. But overall, that experience, it felt like the original experience, even though they did change so much, right? So for me, it's about the overall feeling. If they remake it and it's it looks amazing, but it gives me the same feeling that Mario 64 gave me, that's what's important to me. But for you, I think you're saying that the feeling changes if they change a, a, literally a pixel about how it looks. Yep. <laughs> oh my Dude. god. All right. I can't. All right. So I I made a 20 minute video about all this stuff, you know? Yeah, the, the you made a video on covering remakes versus remasters. Yeah, it, it's it's not even that. It's basically just like that uh remakes inherently are problematic to preservation. Yeah. Right? Yes. Because uh a thing about when you're playing a game, right? When you change those little things, right? Even it, it's hard to not change anything, right? It's really hard. Because even like uh, the, 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 best, the best port ever, right, is using a different controller, you know? So like, yeah. So, or even just, even just a frame rate can change it, you know what I'm yeah. saying? 100%. So, what, if, you, what, if you made Star Fox right now, 64, and you made it a 60 frame or even 30 frame per second game. It would be a good game finally. I mean, it would. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, Star Fox is goaded. Don't don't talk crap about Star Fox, but that would be a different game, even if it's the exact same game. But yeah. it's a different game now because just that. Yeah, but if you remake it entirely, right, it is mm -hmm. going to be, it's going to be a different game. It's going to be a, just just a different game. Like I I talked about specifically the Ocarina of Time remake, how it doesn't like some of the scenes are just not right, like the lighting specifically. A hundred percent. Like they yeah. just they don't fit the mood the way they did before, right? And those yeah. little things could affect a lot about how you feel about the game. Right. A hundred percent. And I agree with you because I know that the reason that they changed the lighting was because it's a it was a handheld game. It was a remake for a handheld and they couldn't there are some scenes in the original game that are really dark and wouldn't really they would cause practical issues if if you're playing it on a handheld on a smaller screen that's how i kind of i don't have 100% certainty on that it's but that's that's a trend that's the trend nintendo has done with other things like they usually make handheld stuff brighter like metroid fusion notoriously has like a neon palette uh because for that reason so i agree with you and i also agree with the with why that affects it like there are it can change the tone of a scene completely or like the mood of an area, right? Something can come off very dark and dreary and very unsettling. And it's actually almost an accident on the designer side from the, the how the limitations of the hardware, right? But so then when you change some of that stuff, it can change the tone and feel. But my argument for that is always that if you're one of those people I feel that there's no reason for you to make the to for you to play the remake or the remaster because clearly the original is good enough for you as it is. And the only reason it's an issue is if it's not accessible. So that's a whole nother thing. But Mario 64 is not gonna have that problem because 
you know, it's going to come to future platforms in one way or another. Like that game is not going to disappear. Before the Switch, you could have played it on like four different Nintendo platforms in a row. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but the issue is that uh, there's no reason, right? And and I and I'm this. You have the context of me saying all those things about production before, right? There's no right. reason why they can't give us both. So okay, that's what I was gonna say. Is you what you would want is the the the, the middle ground here. The solution is you would want them to take like a Halo, uh, the Master Chief Collection approach, where in that game, it's supposed to be a collection of all the Halo games in one. And for th- for those who don't know, I'm just trying to describe like th- that's a collection of every Halo game and they remade all of them to have modern Halo graphics. But at any point, you can press a single button and it will immediately, in the blink of an eye, shift the graphics to what they looked like in the original game. Yeah. And so you would want something like that. I think, that's the, I think that is the best solution. So that's this problem, right. right? I think you should always have those games available, right? Like it, it, it is, it is a lot. <laughs> Despite what I said before about like not knowing about how hard things are, this kind of stuff is actually a lot easier <laughs> than you think it is, right? Yeah. Right. So, I think that if you're not going to have it available, right, you should even have it playable, or it should be like the Halo thing where like you could switch between them, right? Because I know even like. I don't want to get too into it because it's a long story, but technically the version that we have for the Halo Chief, the, uh, the Halo Master Chief Collection, right, for the original Halo is not the Xbox version. It's technically the yes. old PC version, which is yeah. uh, notorious for having worse audio and worse textures than the Xbox version. So, t- so I'm just using it as an example of the the kind of like, technology they use that's really impressive right instead of the actual port so i know someone's going to be in the comments being like well technically it's not the same thing you're not it's not what i'm saying you know what i mean (laughs) yeah and uh if you're interested in more of these thoughts i i again i have that video on my youtube channel yeah definitely check that out yeah youtube.com forward slash are hungry it's easy to find well first of all let's establish the fact that if you think that i'm i'm a lunatic right there are just pure degenerates out there who would be more than happy to have a full remake including changing the controls and changing everything about how the game functions and that those guys i'm with you bro those guys need to go i I, I try to i try not to be combative because dude uh, i'm the middle ground don't you see that i'm trying to bridge you with the future here i'm not one of those future i'm not just one of those degenerates who just wants a full remake of Mario 64. My thoughts are really combative, right? And I try to settle myself down, right? Because I could go crazy if I really wanted to. But yeah. like, I that it's like, dude, that's just a different game now. It's a different yeah, game. Dude, at that point, you should just make a new Mario game because that's how much work it's going to take for you to remake this one. Yeah. Like, think about Final Fantasy VII Remake, right? I keep going back to it because I just played it. But like, they had to, that's a different game. It's not it's not Final Fantasy VII. It's, and I'm not saying that in a good way or a bad way. I'm just saying, like, on paper, it's a completely different experience. It's not even close to what the original was, and you can't substitute it. Yeah. So that approach, actually, you know, with Mario 64, it would just be a different game. I would say, like, you know, Odyssey is 
kind of the FF7 remake version of Mario 64. It's a complete like departure, but it's spiritually trying to recapture a lot of that energy. I think what you're saying, what you're saying is just that people need to understand that you we have to we have to look at both of these things as two completely different re- experiences and not a replacement for the original. Yeah. But if we accept, if we allow this to happen, if we buy into it, they're going to yeah. accept it too. When's the last time you played the original Resident Evil? <laughs> when, like, when's the last time I even saw it available anywhere? But yeah, so on that note, that is our show. How do you how do you feel, my guy? We went on for a ride. We commemorated three anniversaries in this episode. Which yeah. we didn't plan on that. It's just it's just the magic of the universe. The stars sometimes they form a straight line. It's just beautiful. It's a sight to see. Happy holidays, bro. Christmas actually came this year because when we didn't have the E3, we didn't have a direct for E3, and we haven't had a direct in proper. It feels like the whole year. Yeah. So for me, it's been like it's been like Christmas didn't happen. I didn't realize <laughs> how much attachment I have to E3. Like it really felt like there was a hole in my summer because of how used to how how I'm so used to every year since I was a kid having like big announcements and having E3. And so this year there was no no E3 for for Nintendo fans. And this is the closest thing we're going to get. So yeah. happy holidays to you and yours, my friend. We might get some other stuff later on, but not like, not all at once. Not all at once. So for people that don't know, um, Nintendo decided to drop a direct all about Mario's 35th anniversary, literally hours after we finished recording our episode for the week. <laughs> so it's kind of cool how that happened um, it's kind of cool how now we have a before and after within hours of each other. And I actually want to give myself a little bit of credit because if you remember the episode, if you remember our conversation yesterday, I, the only thing that I decided to include in the show was the part of the rumors that ended up being true, which is that my interpretation of the rumor was that this Mario 3d collection is real but if if you actually go back and look at the rumors from this week, they were saying, oh, the game's not coming out until early next year. Um, the rumors make no mention of any of the other stuff that was in this direct. There was a <laughs> lot of stuff. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, look, it's not easy being so gangster all the time, bro. <laughs> okay, I got that I'll right. Give myself some credit. <laughs> give myself some credit. Yeah. I said keep Mario 64 the same and they absolutely did (laughs) so that's okay let's just let's just start there then because now that we saw the direct we're gonna get into the details and we'll run through everything they announced and we'll touch on everything at least a little bit do you wanna go in order? um I was planning on going in order so do you wanna go in order? yeah 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 I'm just making sure All right. so let's just let's just go in order and obviously the big topic is the the 3D All-Stars collection so we'll save that for last just like it was last in the uh, in the video, yeah. so they open with um, a really cool uh, device, actually, which is the Super Mario Bros. Game and Watch, which is out November thirteenth, and it comes with like a D pad because most of the Game and Watches didn't have a D pad actually, um, and that's just like a really cool like device to have. I don't know if I'm gonna personally buy one, depending yeah. on 
how my my pricey. personal economy is exactly like depending on how my the personal economy is at that time yeah. i might not have the money for that but it looks awesome that's gonna be like an insane collector's item yeah it's definitely just like uh for love device not like a serious um right like, you have to get yeah. this you know i mean like uh, yeah. i saw someone make a funny tweet is like uh at least nintendo posts the price of their next gen handhelds <laughs> yeah okay that's pretty funny nintendo has a device coming out this november and that's the only device we have the price for is the nintendo one yeah that's hilarious <laughs> we still don't know how much the xbox is or the ps5 but we know how much the game and watch is gonna be yeah it's, dude it's um, september we don't know that stuff dude don't get me started on that yeah, this, is like, this, 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 this is like this is so faster. dumb yeah um all right and then the next announcement was another really big one that everyone saw coming from 10 million years away it was just a matter of when which is the super mario 3d world uh port from the wii u to the switch uh finally coming it has online play so don't mess it up nintendo because like (laughs) mario maker 2 had online as well and it was so funky that they eventually had to patch it and fix it because it, it was like so not what people wanted. So yeah, I really want them to nail the online for this, especially because, dude, given COVID, that's pretty much a lot of people's only option to play this game at yeah. this point. But yeah, what's your impression? Are you excited about that Super well, Mario 3D World? Well, I didn't buy it on the Wii U, so I'm like, I feel like I want to buy it now because not yeah. only does not only is it run better because you uh, people have like analyzed the footage that it actually runs better on the Switch. It uh it has the extra campaign the Bowser's um Bowser's Fury Bowser's so Fury, yeah it has an added it seems like an added world right and from the looks of it it's I hope that it's like a super hard mode because that's what I want from all 3D Mario's is like those final stages where they really go crazy and it's like the super secret level well, Champions it's really Road is difficult like perfect example of that. Exactly. And Champions Road in um, three, Mario 3D World, that's my favorite stage in the game. And I'm like, damn, I really had to play this entire game to get to this stage and now it's over. Like I wanted more stages like this. So hopefully that's what that is. Um, and as you said, there are some improvements. People have broken down the trailer. The Switch version appears to be running faster. Like the gameplay actually looks faster. The characters look faster. Um, some people have estimated it's like 20 to 30% faster. Uh, the trailer features new camera angles that were not in the original game. So they're going to give you more control of the camera. And it also features an Odyssey style mid-air dive. So in, in in Mario Odyssey, you can like make a full jump. And then last minute, you can make Mario dive forward into a roll. And so they added that into this game. Oh, that's pretty sick. Um, yeah, which for Mario, it's like more movement options is always what makes the 3D Marios great. You yeah. know? Um, so yeah, we're both probably going to play the heck out of that. Obviously, that looks awesome. But that's not coming out until next year anyway. Um, and then they announced the... This is one... See, this is why I don't report... I don't like reporting on rumors. Because to me, this is the funniest... Uh, this is the most interesting part of the entire Direct. Is the the left field. Nobody would have saw this coming. None of the rumors ever said anything about yeah, this game. Yeah, I didn't see this at all. Super... Super Mario 35, and it's basically like Tetris 99, but with Super Mario Brothers, the original Super Mario Brothers, and 35 players are competing at once. That looks so amazing. I cannot wait to play that. And it's going to be free for Nintendo Online users, you know? Yeah, and it's coming out literally in uh, four weeks. No, it's October 1st, and it's free. What's the one day apart, whatever. 
if you played Tetris 99, this game is, first of all, made by the same people. It's made yeah. by the same developer. And second, all of those features that they showed in the trailer are directly from Tetris 99. Like, it shows that you can, like, throw certain blocks at certain people. You can, it has the same, like, interface and everything. Yeah. Um, but that's still, I love Tetris 99. So this is going to be a game that I like more than Tetris, but in that style. So I'm just going to love it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to play it a bunch. Super excited about that. And then Mario Kart Home Circuit Live, Dude, which that is just so cool. Dude, it's in, this is one, another one of those things. This is very much in the lineage of Ring Fit Adventure and uh, Labo, where Nintendo is doing stuff. They're just not okay with doing something in a normal fashion. It's like you could you could just make a Mario Kart RC toy, and I'm sure they probably already did do that, but. Instead of just making it an RC toy, they're like, why don't we make it that you control the RC through the Switch? That's your controller. And you can see augmented reality through the screen. Like, it's just, who the, who would have thought that they would ever do that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, no one could have predicted that. So, like, like, some the of the, sometimes... In the cart, you know? Like, it's so cool. Yeah. And, and think about how a lot of times these rumors, they are predicting things that are kind of obvious. Like... For example, the Mario 3D collection, in a way that's kind of like an inevitability in one way or another, you know that in some form they're going to bring old games to the new thing. Yeah. But the rumors never figure out how to, they never really spoil stuff that's this insane. Like if you would have told me that if this was a rumor a month ago, right? And they're like, yeah, there's a remote controlled Mario Kart coming through your Switch. I would have been like, that just sounds too implausible to even entertain the idea. Yeah. So yeah, that looks insane. I think that's um, it's a hundred dollars if you want to buy that. It comes with the RC toy. I definitely want to check that out because I obviously I'm a Mario Kart master, and so now it's just time for me to move on to the next Mario Kart level. All right, real life. <laughs> uh, all right, so then Super Mario All Stars is on the SNES Classic app on your Switch as of right now. There's an update for that, and then we have come to the Big Daddy. <laughs> Super Mario 3D All-Stars. We spoke about this yesterday. A few hours later, Nintendo magically drops a Direct. That's for, have a, a, That's for us. They have a, they have a wiretap. They're listening yeah. to the show. You know what I mean? They knew it was the anniversary of the show. So they were like, dude, we got to listen up. We got to tune in. And then they were like, you know what? Let's just drop it on these dudes. So they dropped it um, September 18th. So another thing, the the rumor, like I said earlier, it. I didn't even want to waste time reporting on the details of the rumor saying that it was it was delayed until next year and all the other like other little details that were in that rumor because those things were just clearly wrong. September 18th, it comes out in two weeks. Um, it has a music player mode, which is really cool. Uh, Super Mario 64, we have some some data for how the game is going to run and be displayed. So Super Mario 64 docked is going to be 960 by 720 pixels. And in handheld mode, it's the same. And then Mario Sunshine is 1920 by 1080 when it's in docked. And it's 1280 by 720 when it's in handheld. And then Mario Galaxy is the same docked, 1920 by 1080. And then handheld mode is... 1280 by 720. So um, the only other minor little details to touch on is Galaxy is going to be able to use the Joy-Cons and the touchscreen to do the motion controls that were in the original game when it launched on the Wii. 
um, which is actually pretty amazing that they were able to engineer and program like the touchscreen to be able to mimic that. It's it seems pretty simple, but you got to remember like these are old games that are not programmed to have stuff like that. So it, it might not be as simple as it sounds. You definitely don't want to go messing around the game that's already finished a lot too much, right? Because it's like it's like right. you could be messing with some really nasty like core of the game stuff. Like if mm-hmm. if you break one thing in there, the thing about programming is that you don't know what's actually broken until like you start moving things around. So you might right. you try might try to implement it and you might find a bug that was secretly there and you had no idea. But now because you fixed that one thing or like implemented one one thing, that bug mm-hmm. comes into light and it becomes a disaster. You know, it do regression right. testing and yeah. it's a nightmare. And it, it's so it's easy to again take that for granted as like a just a fan and a consumer of, of games because it seems so intuitive. It's like, oh well, you know, Galaxy had motion controls, so obviously you could just do that with the Joy Cons. And it's like, well, on at face value, yeah, but the technologies are actually completely different. Like Galaxy, um, the Wii Remote, it used an infrared sensor to locate where you were aiming on the TV screen. And the Switch doesn't achieve motion gaming through that same mechanism. It's using fully, like no infrared at all, and it's a gyroscope that's in the Joy-Con. So even that difference in technology means that they have to figure out a different way to achieve that and make it feel the same, but it's a it's a completely different technology. So the yeah. fact that they pulled that off and they cared enough, they felt that that aspect of Galaxy was integral and they they went out of their way to make sure that you could do that with the Joy-Cons is really, really cool. And it on a side note, completely irrelevant, but now I, I definitely believe Skyward Sword is coming to the Switch and that it's possible with the Joy-Cons. Because yeah. we, we actually we actually haven't seen a game that uses the Joy-Cons with that much precision, uh, using the motion controls with that much precision. So now we kind of have an answer to that, like some of it is possible. Yeah. Well, I just want to give... Uh... Nintendo the credit because everyone is quick to give Nintendo slack, right? So I kind of right. want to balance out a little bit. You know, I, I, yeah, Nintendo's not perfect. You know, especially. Yeah, we're not, I mean, look, we're not trying to do a fanboy show. Like we, we're just trying to be as fair as possible. And obviously, just like everybody else, who doesn't love Nintendo? Like, yeah. there's no gamer or even non-gamer that doesn't love them. Yeah, um, we're gonna get into the complaints a little bit later, right? We'll, and we're we'll, we'll get, those we'll are coming. We'll get into right? Those are those are inevitabilities. Bro. But just like this to give you uh, some idea of like the motion control stuff. Resident Evil yeah. 4 on the Switch doesn't have motion controls, and it's definitely possible for that game to have motion controls. Yes. It on the Wii, you know. The Resident Evil 4 Wii is the best version of that game Arguably, and that's that's you know? that is literally not debatable i'm sorry that is the way that that <laughs> game should have been played from day one that is the best version of that game um anyway so now we're gonna to the big daddy the big boy the guy that we're all excited for um the 3d collection right so we just went over the resolutions and the aspect ratio they're going to have widescreen for all three games, which is insane. Um, I'm pretty sure Mario 64 is going to have to keep the same aspect ratio. Just the resolution so here's is the, higher. So here's the thing. In the trailer, they don't show Mario 64 in widescreen. But if you look at the actual, um, if you look at the website, it says all three games support the widescreen feature. Okay. Yeah. So I, I had the same impression you did because like when they don't show you that in the actual video. Um, so here's my question. Right. So we just had this conversation yesterday. And now that we're living in the post reality, 
is this exactly what you described and said that you wanted? Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I, it would have been nice to have a 60 FPS mode for Mario 64, right? Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of people are like, well, you know, an emulator or on the, the, the fan port, you know. When you say 60 FPS, you mean like a 60-man first-person shooter battle royale version of Mario 64. That's yeah. what you mean, right? Like yeah. FPS as in, you know. Yeah, first-person first person shooter mode. Because you can go in first-person mode in the game, so I don't know why you can't shoot things in it, you know? Uh, yeah, so it's like Mario 35, but with 60 people. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. All right, so to be clear, right? <laughs> uh, this means frames per second, right? So yeah. the game calculates things at a much faster rate than we do as people, right? So within a second, there's uh, 60 frames, right? And it'll calculate things on each of those frames. Just like, you know, like do the necessary calculations to get the game running and yeah, inputs in, you know? So uh, the higher the frame rate, right, the frames per second, right? Kind of, the, they're kind of the same word, right? Um, it'll tell you like, okay, so you press the button here, so now we can do this, you know? Or like a Goomba uh, started up this thing over here, so that's happening here, you know? Basically, it allows for more inputs to be read at a smoother and faster pace. If it's at 60, it can just, it's refreshing 60 frames per second. So there's a lot more information being done in one second. Yeah, so it's definitely a uh, much smoother play experience than 30. You know, that's right. what kind of it is. And N64, Super Mario 64 uh, runs at 30 frames per second with a lot of dips, you know. There's a lot of areas where it even drops down to 20 frames per second, you know. Well, not a lot, but like uh, a number that is probably higher than they want. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Uh, particularly the when you're at the submarine area for Dire Dire Docks, you know, like uh, that's a kind of an infamous kind of like big slowdown for the game. Right. Um, and I'm assuming that it'll be like a uh, smooth 30, uh, like a locked 30 for that game mm-hmm. now, right? I mean, I'm just, just an assumption. I have no I idea. I mean, that's that, that, that ha- at this point, that has to be the case. Like yeah. I almost can't fathom them not doing that, yeah. right? So, um, going back to what I was saying earlier, um, since the game, people are complaining that it's not 60 frames per second, right? Yeah. But a lot of people also are not taking into account that the game is, like, balanced around 30 frames per second for one, right? Mm -hmm. And second, um, when you're playing an emulator, right, it's not a perfect recreation recreation of uh, an N64. It's just not perfect, right? So right. when there's graphical errors, right, and there's uh, textures that don't get loaded properly or shadows that aren't used properly and stuff like that, right, like you kind of like ignore it because you're just playing the game anyway, right? Yeah, or I mean, you basically like, got it for free at this point. Yeah, right? And <laughs> Or just stuff like that. Like the game crashes, right? Because I've seen things like about the 60 frames per second mode on the on the illegal PC port, right? It's illegal. It's right. Not, Legal. Right. Um, specifically the the PC port. You know, the, the not not the ROM, the port. That's two different things. So again, uh, an emulation is a recreation, or like it kind of like recreates. It's an imitation. It's an imitation of an N sixty four, right? Or any console, right? Like that when when it's a when it runs natively on the hardware, right? 
the instructions that you give to the machine are exactly from that machine, right? So again, right. try to go into the language, right? Like I'm not translating it from English to Spanish, right? I'm just going straight into Spanish because like there's always something kind of lost there in emulation. Yeah. Like sometimes it ends up being better, you know. That's not an impossibility. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know from what I've seen from the 60 FPS mode for the PC version that it, there is some stuff that kind of like people brush off. So again, I, I'm fairly certain this is going to be a lot cleaner in execution. And I also don't know, it hasn't been confirmed or anything, if this is going to be an emulation of uh, like a, a ROM, right? Or yeah. if it's running natively on Switch hardware, right? Right. So we have to consider those things. So if it runs natively on Switch hardware, that'd be a much better solution than it being like uh, the virtual console sort of like emulation. Yeah. Thing. So yeah. that remains to be seen. And it's definitely a better... It'd be better for the game for it to run nav- running natively on the hardware, which isn't impossible, you know? I would assume that that's the case because the other big sticking point about this announcement, and it kind of bothers me, even though I'm still really excited for this collection, is that Mario Galaxy 2 is not included. Yeah. And so if Mario Galaxy 2, if this was just a collection of, of like ROMs that they had from the Wii and the Wii U, um then I assume they would have just thrown Mario Galaxy 2 in there because they already have that from the Wii U era. They yeah. have that ROM. Yeah. So I'm assuming that these are native ports and that they're not uh, just using the old Wii and Wii U virtual console versions of these games. Yeah. Well, because even uh, I'm assuming, I mean, I'm not assuming. I'm kind of like theorizing, right? That the reason yeah. why Galaxy 2 isn't here is because of Yoshi. Uh, Yoshi has more complex like uh, aiming mechanics right than anything present oh, in, in, in that's Galaxy right. one right so yeah, they might so so for people who don't know um you know the aiming pointer controls that are in Galaxy One, Yoshi basically controls heavily on that those pointer controls. And so maybe that translation into what we were talking about earlier, translating that to the Joy-Con, maybe that didn't work as well. Yeah. That's your theory? They, yeah, it's my theory that they couldn't get it to work correctly right away, right? And instead of uh, delaying everything for Galaxy Two, right? Which is kind of a, it's like it's like a, a mixed bag because it's like, well, where's Galaxy Two? What's up with that, right? So that that that, right. that definitely sucks, right? I'm not defending them on that because that's that's definitely like, yeah, it should have been there. It definitely should have been there, right? I mean, it's it's called the 3D collection, and yeah. you can argue that the best game besides Mario 64 is Galaxy Two. I would say that for sure, no, personally. So I'm I'm, I'm definitely sad. That's a not have that there. The reason that game is not there, I thought was pretty obvious, actually. Like, you know how you and I used to always debate which game was better, Mario Galaxy 1 or 2? I prefer 1, you prefer 2. It's clear that Miyamoto thinks 1 is better and that you're a complete <laughs> moron. Like, it's, it's like, I don't know how you could look at this announcement and interpret it any other way. Like, if think, I'm just being completely honest I with mean, you. considering Sunshine there, I think they just, like, added 60 Mario 64 and like they just they, they just added the baggage, oh. you know. <laughs> They're like, bro, sunshine. That is hilarious. But yeah, but for people that don't know, me and our hungry have pretty much the same Mario 3D tier list. Number one is 64, not even close. Number two for him is Galaxy Two. For me, it's Galaxy One. And then number three is Galaxy One for him and Galaxy Two for me. Then I would put. Odyssey and Sunshine is at the bottom for both of us. So well, I haven't played Odyssey. I'm sorry. To, 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 yeah. to clear that up. 
It'll happen. I'm sorry to everyone. I'm sorry to everyone because there's still so like many that audience. Game. I still like Sunshine, but I have a lot we, of complaints about it. That's the kind of the we, misconception. We both we like, like that them. game a yeah, lot. We both like that game a lot, but it's not. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's great. <laughs> I think it's I just actually. Like, I, think it's, I think it's a good game. Let me just put it this way, okay? Number one, if you're a super, if you're a Sunshine guy, I'm happy for you. You know what I mean? Like I don't, yeah. I haven't lost anything by getting this port. But just to illustrate how I feel about Sunshine, I really like that game. I will not be playing it when I get this collection. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be a jerk. Like, for real, I'm just like, okay, Mario 64, guaranteed playing that. And then Galaxy, yeah, I'll probably play that again. And I'm like, I played enough Sunshine for a lifetime. Like, I just don't need to do all that again. I might play you know, that game, some of it. I won't play all of it. I definitely won't play all of it. Yeah. All right. So anyway, moving forward, this is what you wanted, basically. So this is kind of what I asked you yesterday is we were having this discussion about how Mario 64 to both of us is a holy game, right? Yeah. This is like legendary and one of our favorite games ever. And there was this disagreement between us as to how we personally would want to see it come. And I felt like I'm a pretty, I'm a purist when it comes to a lot of things, but I was surprised that you were even more of a purist in terms of how much you'd like to see them change. So with this port, you feel like they did just enough. And for, for some clarity, one of the things that we didn't talk about yet is that they're actually cleaning up a lot of textures. So like the, the M on Mario's hat is a lot more clear now. And yeah. they got rid of a lot of blurry textures in the game and replaced them with stuff that's a well, little more clear. I, I don't know if they replaced them or they just because because the Mario sixty four textures are uh, are very compressed to fit on the N sixty four right or to run on the N sixty four. So they might be the original fire original files uncompressed. Right, right. So uh, replacing would be a strong word, you know. Yeah, right. It might just be uncompressed and and yeah. I mean, I just assumed that it was replaced because the M looks very very clean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's like it's like a lot more clean than I thought it'd be. Um so this is basically what you wanted. Like you just wanted them to to basically not remake the graphics yeah. and to clean up a little thing here and there and make sure it runs well. And did you I'm surprised you're okay with the widescreen thing. Because uh, I got the impression you were such a purist that even that was like, no, man, no widescreen. I, I would be very okay with it not having widescreen. <laughs> well, clear, I guess here they're given the option, so it's fine, right? So here's the thing about widescreen that kind of like a lot of people might think I'm pretty, I'm being pretty pedantic about, but widescreen actually makes the game easier, right? Mm -hmm. Like not. Yeah, because you can see more, more things. of the play field, right? Yeah. So the game isn't actually balanced around having a widescreen, you know? Like, you could give that, you could say it's a flaw, whatever, but in terms of how the game is actually balanced, that's just 100% facts, right? Yeah, so for example, there are times where they design a level where you're not supposed to be able to see an enemy until you're at a, cer at a certain point in, in, the, in the level or in the map, and if it's widescreen, it's like they didn't, they didn't put him in the right spot to account for yeah. how much you can see. So it's like some things might fail to translate. And also some things might not. Like maybe certain games, just by sheer luck, you put them in widescreen and they work perfectly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure the that effect will actually be very negligible, right? But uh, yeah. I think even if it, the option would be – even if the option wasn't available, I'd, I'd still be kind of okay with it because it's still the game. You know, the game wasn't changed that much, right? 
from that. But in general, I want it to be as close to uh, original as possible. Right. And, and, but here's the thing though, like the, that's what I got from our conversation yesterday is that that's what you want, but they, they did make very smart changes here. So it's clear that certain graphical changes are okay. Well, like you're okay I, I, with how this game looks. Well, I said that I would be okay with the high, I, I would want a higher resolution. Cause like I said, you'd be surprised how much better it looks with the high resolution. And it's true. Right. The game does look a lot better. Right. But, but again, if you're being a purist and you're like, I want the original experience. I, for me, I'm like, yeah, that's not going to change your experience enough to matter. But I thought from what you were saying that even that was too far. Um, so I think that it's it's not changing the way the game looks. It's kind of like uh, when you watch a movie, right? And it's at a higher resolution. The movie itself doesn't actually change, right? That's right. That's right. But if yeah. you, I change like the color correction on the movie, right? The movie's completely different now, you know? Like, yeah, like imagine so, you're watching The Matrix, right? And instead of it being <laughs> green, it's like yellow, you know? Yeah, that, that's a, it's part of the concept of the movie and part of the aesthetic of the movie. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, this is kind of what we, I was referring to earlier with Doom or like the early Resident Evil games. Sometimes the um, the pixelation and sometimes like the blurry textures and some of the things that were very limiting of the hardware ended up becoming part of the art style for the player. Right. So that's when it becomes hard to know what to change because some, for example, if you were to take the original Resident Evil games and just up-res them to like the way that they have with Mario 64, it's a lot less scary. And yeah. it's, it's like the, the smoothness of everything is, it changes how you felt about it. And I remember when they remade the original Tomb Raider on the Wii, they mattered, they actually had a remake of that game. And there's a level, a famous level in the original game where there's like a, I think it's like the third level, there's a, a black jungle that you're in, right? And all of a sudden, a T-Rex comes out of nowhere. And he comes out of the blackness of the, the, the mist of that area, right? Yeah. And that is one of the most terrifying video game moments I've ever experienced to this day, right? So then in the remake... That whole moment is different because the blackness was actually just a, a hardware limitation. They couldn't, they didn't have the ability to have like really detailed draw distances. So you couldn't see very far. And so what I interpreted as to be like an intentional uh, design thing to make me as scared as possible was really just like, oh yeah, like they just couldn't do it. So that's what it was. And when they remade the game, everything was crystal clear. And I saw the T-Rex from 10 miles away and it wasn't scary at all. Like well, it was a completely thing, different experience. Here's the thing about that. It, it, it might've been, they could have known about that draw distance error. I mean, they definitely knew about it, right? So they could have designed it around it, right? And then the team that ported it or remade it, right? They, they stayed just like, oh, well, we have to get rid of the draw distance better, you know? They didn't account for that. Uh, I think the same thing happened with the Silent Hill remakes, right? Like they got rid of a lot of the mist and fog because of the draw distance and that's like that's the entire game that's like the entire game is changed yeah, now. <laughs> isn't it isn't it part of the the concept of the game is that there's this fog yeah like i, I remember it's part of the narrative yeah, of the game it's literally the whole game the whole game was just like ruined because they just so, didn't think about it so okay so then now you're happy with what we got right yeah i'm happy with what we got and i'm extremely excited but 
I, and I'm seeing a lot of people receive this announcement in a lot of different ways on Twitter. A lot of people that we know and just everyone in general. Yeah. I wanted a Mario 64 remake that looked like Mario Odyssey, but it had the exact same controls as Mario 64. Now, maybe that's impossible, right? Maybe changing the graphics just already will change everything functionally. Well, you have to, the thing about that, right, is that you have to create a new engine now. Right, you can't. Oh, it's it. a complete new game. Yeah. yeah. Right. So my my biggest example of that is uh, the Crash remakes. Right. A lot of people like those games, but a lot of people also really hate them. You know, like uh, like fans of the original hate the new one. Right. Because aesthetically, mm-hmm. I even me, you know, I'm I'm you know whatever boomer opinions. Right. I think the original looks better. Whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. But the physics of the game are a hundred percent messed up in uh for crash one and crash two yeah right so they just took the controls from crash three right like the physics of crash right and they just use it for all three games which completely ruins the, the first game right the first game specifically yeah yeah because he doesn't he like loses all his momentum before he jumps so like these like really wide jumps that would be easy in the first game like they're intended to be easy, you know. And they're not like, like these really like uh, perilous jumps, right? They were just like you just did it in the first game, and that's not an easy game. The first Crash, you know, like it's definitely the hardest of the trilogy on the PS One, right? So I'm not yeah. complaining that it's an easy game, right? I'm complaining that they made it harder by accident, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So for example, like what we're saying, where I what I wanted, just not I didn't think about it too deeply, just like as a dream. You know, as like a dream thing, I'm like, wow, I love the way Galaxy, I I love the way Odyssey looks, and I would love it if they remade my favorite Mario game to look like this. But when you, like you just pointed out, you know, there are a lot of things they'd have to change because the physics of of Mario Odyssey are different, and the way, the the length of jumps, like even things that look like they're identical are different, and so you'd have to retouch all the obstacles of the game to suit this new engine it's not going to just transfer one-to-one the way that it feels like it would when you think about it in your brain so that being said right i'm one of the people who i think wanted the most elaborate remake that's as elaborate as you could probably get and that's not what we got and i'm still very happy because now i see what i got is more true to the original and if i really want something that's like super new i can just play odyssey you know what i mean like they don't need to do this half step of taking the old one and then making it look better i think it's better to have a good remake of the original that's very true to the original and also have something brand new that's a completely different thing as opposed to mixing the two up but um it's interesting how with remasters and remakes um there's really no way to get it perfect or get it right because yeah. it's like if they had gone the direction of what I dreamed of, right, I would have been happy with the announcement, but then you would have been unhappy, right? Mm-hmm. And then we see the opposite where there are people who I thought were super purists of the original and they're unhappy with this one because it doesn't run at 60 or, you know, Nintendo's doing the bare minimum. Like I've seen so many different opinions that I thought were all from the people who actually wanted the most faithful remake possible. Well, I've seen it directly compared to the Crash and Sane trilogy, right? And I'm not trying to make fun of the developers of that game, right? I I know they probably had like 
a much shorter time development than they probably needed or something, right? Like, and I personally really do not like those, the that or the Spyro uh, trilogy because of the aesthetic changes one, right? I think Spyro kind of, uh, I, that's probably controversial to say, but uh, I think Spyro looks way worse than the originals, right? Yeah. Especially in the enemy design, right? They look really, really generic now as compared to like the kind of cutesy style the first game had, right? So I, I'm like, I wouldn't want that. Like, I wouldn't want those changes. And especially for Crash 1, or like those changes of like the momentum, right? And not only that, like every game, uh, since that game was made in Unity, right? The uh, I don't know if this was like malicious or just they didn't have time or whatever, right? The default like collision box for something, right? Is like a pill, right? The shape of a pill. Yeah. Right? So something that like is looks like a crate right because like, you know like that's what's in crash you know they're crates a lot you break yeah, boxes, little boxes you crash mm-hmm. into boxes right mm-hmm. uh it looks like a box but it's actually a pill so you could be standing on the side of uh of a crate right like you would want to jump off a crate and you'll slide right off it right yeah because it's not the the actual collision detection there is smaller than what the actual, like, what it well, looks like. Well, not, not that it's smaller or bigger. It's just that it's shaped like a pill, right? So, like, right. think of a pill. It's, like, rounded at the edges. So, you think a box is going to be flat, right? And then if you if you land on a pill, like, imaginary, right? <laughs> if, you, yeah. if, if, like, if you land on like something that's curved, you're going to slip off of it, obviously, right? Yeah, there's no corner. Yeah, so, you're no trying corner. to land on a corner, and there's no corner there. Yeah, so you fly right at it and like sometimes uh, depending on how close you get to the edge of it you like a high speed fly off of it and you just die yeah right yeah so like those little things changed and i'm not saying that the developers of those games were like stupid or anything like that i'm just saying that those little things go unnoticed but when you're actually playing it you're gonna notice it you know so like if those things happened to mars 64 i would be very very upset because it's a really tight game it's a super tight game, you know? That's part of why that game has endured to this day is because of how tight it is and how... Dude, it's insane. We could talk about Mario 64 forever. I, I, eventually, we're going to do a whole show where we just overload on Mario 64 because me and Arangri talk about this all the time. That game just keeps getting more interesting. But the, to, to your point, it's like, dude, they got all of this right on their first try. This is the first 3D Nintendo game. This is the first 3D game by that company. That is insane how good it is and how much they got right. And you could argue that as great as every game has been after that, every 3D Mario game, none of them have been as good as this one. Like their first try was better than their third, fourth, and fifth try. Yep. I I definitely would argue that, you know, like I know some people like Sunshine better for the aesthetics. Or Galaxy for the gimmicks, or Odyssey for like the whole like huge worlds and exploration part of it. You know, like you know, every Mario game has reasons to exist. So I, I applaud. They're the all great. That, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, compared to other series, like they're all great. Yeah. But if we're comparing them all to the 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 big boy, the yeah. King Daddy, that's just it's my favorite. I think it's the best, and I think it's one of the most ingenious games of all time. I could we talk about it forever, right? Yeah, well, we and we will talk about it forever, but at another time. <laughs> um, so the other, the other, the only other thing that we need to touch on here is 
Okay, so I don't know if you saw it because a lot of people missed this, but we earlier just talked about how the Super Mario 35, I think it's called, Super Mario 35, the exclusive like Switch Online Battle Royale Tetris 99 style Mario game. Did you notice that they said in the uh, at the end of that little teaser, at the end of that reveal, they said that it's actually only going to be available for a limited time, that it's only running as a game until March 31st, 2021. And it's the same thing with Mario 3D All-Stars. That yeah. game is only going to be available through March 2021, which, okay, so just to give some context, right? This is something that Nintendo has done many times before. The original Mario All-Stars on the Super Nintendo, the one that's on the SNES Classic, I mean, on, on the uh, SNES Online app right now, that was a remake of all the original Mario games in the Super Mario World style. And it was a, a collection that came out for the Super Nintendo. Well, it wasn't and then Super Mario they, World style, to be clear. It, it was just upgraded oh, yeah. SNES graphics because it doesn't look like Super Mario World, right? True. It's actually just 16-bit, but it's not Super Mario World specifically. Yeah. Right. And then fast forward to the 10 years ago, the Mario 25th anniversary on the Wii, they also re-released that game on the Wii and it was a limited release back then too. So I'm not saying that's an excuse, right? Like people are complaining about the fact that this, this 3D collection is not, it's a limited release. I'm not saying that that's okay because they did it before. I'm just trying to give context of like, okay, this is, this is a thing, you know? Yeah. This, this is basically the Disney approach. So for people who don't know, if you before Disney Plus came out, right? If you wanted to go watch the classic Disney animated films, if you wanted to watch Snow White or uh, Sleeping Beauty or Peter Pan, you couldn't just go to the store and buy those movies on Blu-ray or on DVD or on VHS. Every decade, they choose a very specific window of time to release to re-release those movies so that you can buy them again. And then they put them, what they what they say is they put them back in the vault, in the Disney vault, right? So that's, I think that's what Nintendo's doing here, where they're like, I don't know if it's strictly because you're going to make more money. If I don't know if it's strictly a, a financial thing, because you could obviously see it that way. I don't know if there's any other reason for it. I don't really know why Disney does it. I don't really know why this vault thing exists. Like, what do you think about the vault approach? And the like, why approach? is it there? Is my theory, theory on that? It gives each movie time to breathe, right? So if you see Snow White, uh, Pinocchio, uh, Sword in the Stone, right? All those classic Disney movies, right? Yeah. Um, and you're like, oh, which one do I get? You're like, well, I don't know. So the limited edition ones, you're like, I don't think this is a feel special, right? So I have to get a limited edition one, right? But it gives each movie time to breathe and get the sales of that one, which I think is still pretty anti-consumer of having to lock away stuff right right so uh i I keep going back to my thinking of it right my uh is what gabe newell said about pc gaming back when steam just came out right Mm -hmm. i think it was like 2002 and something around there he said that uh games right now are being pirated on pc a lot not because they don't want to pay for it but because it's a lot easier to pirate it than to go to the store and pay for your game, but also it's region locked and it's got DRM and blah, 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 right? 
Right. Like, uh, gaming, uh, the piracy issue isn't a pricing issue. It's a service issue. So if the pirates have a better service, they're going to pirate it. As a right. People will pay if it's easier to pay for something, you know? And he was 100% right. He was 100% right. Yeah, that's what, that's, what, uh, that's what Steve Jobs said when he made iTunes. He was, this was, Napster was like threatening the whole music industry. And he was basically saying the reason most people don't want to pirate stuff. They just see it as the only option in this, the future of, you know, using your computer and the digital future of where this is all going. And he had turned out to be right about that. Like iTunes ended up selling these songs piecemeal and people were buying the songs again more than they were pirating them. Yeah, on well, sort of like Spotify, Apple Music, like those, those things are huge, right? Yeah. So again, my thing is that people are complaining about it because it's it is really easy just to pirate Super Mario sixty four. There's a million ways yeah. to do it. The Disney approach, the, the this whole like vault approach, you're saying that it's so that they don't have to. It gives each game enough time to breathe. And it's not oversaturating like their own market, right? So like you go to the store and there's not 7,000 different 3D Mario games to play and you don't know which one to even get. Yeah. So I think that's part of it for sure, right? So I, I still think that's an anti-consumer thing. Like I, I don't agree with Nintendo's uh, yeah. decision in that at all. You know, I think that those games should be available uh, as much as possible at all times, you know? Because mm-hmm. especially because um, people don't realize that these things are works of art, you know. But I don't know how much people are going to disagree with me with that. I assume people that are listening to this podcast won't, right? That games are mm-hmm. art, right? Or at least uh, a form of art. And if it's an issue of like you're taking away art from the world, you know, <laughs> like like I know that games are harder to to recreate than many other uh, mediums, right? So I give them some credit for that, you know, to trying to bring it back. But when you take those things mm-hmm. away, it's not a good thing for art. Yeah, and and I I agree and see that perspective a lot. And I also, I'm trying to think of it from their perspective of maybe they're like, you know, if we have all of our games available. Like Nintendo has a unique problem where people love their old games just as much or more than they like their new games. And no other company really has the same level of like fandom with with even just the regular common day person, right? Like someone who's not a hardcore nerd like we are about Nintendo stuff, they'll go, dude, I love Super Mario Bros. 3. Like that's the greatest game I ever played in my life. And because they're competing with themselves and their history, maybe they're um, maybe the math that they're doing on this is we don't want to compete with ourselves. When we put out a new Mario game, like if Mario Odyssey 2 comes out next year, we want people to buy that because that's the future and we need to move things forward. We can't just keep, we can't have people who don't know better competing for, you know, our original things. And as a, as a way of, as a way of kind of meeting people in the middle, they keep finding ways to re-release what we love from the past. Now, again, you guys can call me <laughs> whatever you want. I'm really not trying to make a defense for them. I'm just saying like, it, it clearly, process. yeah, I'm saying this is maybe what they're thinking so that before I disagree, I at least can understand where it's coming from. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so maybe that's the logic and, you know, to be fair, like they don't have to do any of this. Right. So yeah. it's like, in a way, if you think about it, they don't have to do Mario 64 again or Sunshine or Galaxy. 
they could have think about think about this whole direct right think about if everything was in this direct except for those three games that collection it, they'd still be having a lot of content for you to get you know what i'm saying like it's not like yeah. this th it's not like this was the only thing that they're doing they were doing a lot of stuff but to your point about art and preserving it and having things accessible for people i'm actually more concerned about the limited release of mario 35 because yeah, that game's going to disappear that game's just going to disappear now that's not a that's not a physical game. That's yeah. an online only game. Who knows? Unless maybe they're thinking we are going to sell it to you after this period, but they didn't say that. Like yeah. as oh, of right I, now, I'm concerned about that. I'm really concerned about that actually because that looks like a really cool game to play. You know? Yeah, and also just think about let's say it disappears, right? And then five years from now, you and I are doing a podcast, and we're like, dude, remember that that not, that battle royale Mario game that was on the Switch online? For six you know months, what I mean? Like. No? If 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 you never played this game and five years from now you hear about it, you're gonna want to play it. Like it's this is this sounds insane. This sounds so cool, you know? Overall, I think that I'm I'm okay with the Disney approach myself because even though I do want things to be as accessible as possible, I I am more interested in new things. You know what I mean? Like part of this podcast is also that I don't want this to be a retro podcast. Yeah. And I think with Nintendo, like I said, they have a unique problem where people love their past a lot, like more yeah. than they love the past of other companies. They have a really amazing history, but I personally think that their future is just as cool. And a lot of the things they did just on the switch to me are as cool. So I feel like it's an inevitability that we have access to their old stuff. And I think for other companies, you can definitely complain, right? If you want to play a, a really early entry in some amazing franchises, if you want to play it's Metal Gear Solid, it's very hard. <laughs> if you want to play, yeah, exactly. If you want to play the first Metal Gear on the MSX, it's very hard. And even with certain Nintendo games, like we earlier we talked about Fire Emblem, like the GameCube era is just lost for that series. But outside of that, you know, they are meeting us in the middle to some degree, even though you have to wait. You know yeah, what I mean? So I, I like, still think we should be pushing harder. I still think you should be complaining about it all the time. You know, like I said, I, I said it in the, I think the, the, the past version of it. It was like complaining is where we get these things from, or even like the smash, like, um, uh, rollback stuff. Right. I was like, you have to complain for it to things to happen. So I still think, yeah, I'm not going to give anybody, crap for like you know uh complaining about it because it, it is a thing to go, complaining about is how you get things done so I, I, all power to people who are complaining about it you know that's that's true but again there's also a never-ending list of things to complain about so it's also like a balance of you have to i agree and i don't want you know I feel like a lot of the great stuff that we got from Nintendo is through people complaining. Like Skyward Sword is the reason why we have Breath of the Wild. Yeah. People complained about that game and we got a way better Zelda game for it. Yep. Uh, but the, the one of the problems is though that it's a never ending thing. Like, you know, for example, we finally getting Mario 3D World and it's like, I already saw someone complaining about how they didn't show any new characters for the game. Like where's Wario and where's DK and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm like... I'm like, there's a certain level of complaining that when you have this you have many, say, if I had to say your yes, expectations, right? Yeah. It's about real. It's about being realistic. That's a yeah. perfect way to put it. Because think about it, like, you know, it. I, I'm. It's kind of just like there's always going to be something, especially when there's so many old games that we love from this company. Like, 
uh, there's always going to be another game that they could be make, making or giving us. The second that they announced Metroid Prime 4, finally a new Metroid, they're like, everyone's like, all right, what about Star Fox? It's like, and then if announce a new Star Fox, we're going to be like, all right, well, what about F-Zero? And, it, and then it's like, you do that, and people are like, all right, we'll make something new. And then they make Splatoon, and they're like, all right, well, make that old thing again. Yeah. It just never ends, you know? Well, so, yeah, but I don't think it should end. I don't think, like, companies should ever win. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, technically speaking, we're their boss. You know, we buy the product. We pay them. You right. Know? So we can yeah. have, we're in the position to, to ask for more, you know? I guess for me, the difference is that I'm coming at it. I guess you're right, and I have to look at it more from that perspective. But the perspective I tend to take on these things is, like, I consider myself an artist, and I I relate to them as being they're the artist in this situation, right? Yeah, no, I so, I, I agree with that, and I also see it from their perspective, right? It is it is very yeah. very annoying for everyone to never be happy, you know? Yeah, but that's how we get great things. Yeah, that's true. So this is what we're gonna end on, okay? The thing that matters most, and I think the thing that really is the most important when we saw this direct, is that. We finally, like I said earlier, we got an answer to the age-old question. Galaxy 1 is definitely better than 2, and Miyamoto's on my side. So you lost, and you got to hold the L. You, you lost? You got to brandish the L. Okay. Become one with the L. Uh, who had the bigger L, L is here? real. Who had the L is real. <laughs> <laughs> who had the bigger <laughs> L here, right? I got what I wanted. My favorite Super Mario game, right, is exactly how I wanted it to be, and yours isn't. Yeah, but I also happy with my, what I my got too, bro. is enormous. Episode two in the books. Thank you for listening. If you like the show, please consider going to patreon.com slash glentendo and become a friendo and help out if you can. And if you're listening on free feeds, that's cool too. Um, just think about giving us a good review on iTunes on the Apple podcast, because that actually does help out podcasts a lot more than it might seem. My co-host is Hungry. You can find him at MF underscore Hungry on Twitter. And we make regular references to a lot of his great work on YouTube. Please go to YouTube slash Hungry and check out a lot of his videos. If you're listening to this on YouTube, we'll have the links in the show description. And you can follow me at Super Glentendo on Twitter. And yeah, the Glentendo podcast is a Smash community slash Nintendo news podcast every single week on Friday for supporters of the show and every Monday for the free feeds for all of you disgusting, no friendos. You're broke. Get some money. Come on, bro. No, but thank you guys for the support. And even if you're just a listener, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. This show is brought to you by our amazing producers, Naomi Eduardo and the legendary Riz. Thank you guys. See you next week.